everybody to the front. <laughs> Welcome back to Kingdom Cast. It's your host, Bad Luck Chuck. We're back at it again with another episode of Kingdom Cast. Uh, we're taking a little slight break from the 2021 season in review. Uh, as we do have, have a very, very special guest on board this week. But before we introduce him, uh, let's get to the introductions to everybody else. Uh, top left-hand corner is my guy, Country. The top right-hand of the screen is uh, our homegirl, Kylie. Uh, the bottom right-hand of the screen is my guy, Boogie. And our special guest, he is – he was one of the best centers in the National Football League when he played. Um, he was a one-time Pro Bowl selection in 1999. Um, you know, 11-year veteran. Uh, we'd like to welcome our for- a Chiefs Hall of Famer, Tim Grunhardt, this week's episode of Kingdom Cast. How you doing, Tim? Hi, I am doing excellent, and uh, thank you so much for having me on, guys. Uh, uh, very, very happy to be with you guys here on a Sunday. And 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 Chuck, thanks for. Uh, usually, people cheat me out of one year because I played from ninety to two thousand, and they always say ten seasons. I'm like, guys, listen, it's eleven seasons. It's hard enough to right. get eleven seasons, so don't right. cheat me out of one. So, give kudos <laughs> for that, big Chuck. All right. Yeah, we yeah, I had to make sure, man. I had to make sure not to mess that one up. So <laughs> definitely, man. But Tim, man, uh, it's great to have you on, man. Um, and also I forgot to mention you are doing some big things with the Third Lawn Foundation. You took that over, um, you know, when Derek Thomas passed away, and it's been going strong so far. So we definitely gonna get into that. Oh man, hey, it's thank funny. you so much for bringing that up. And yeah, I would love to talk about it. But uh, I know you guys got a lot of great chief questions, and I'm excited to talk with you guys. So let's get rolling. Yeah, definitely. And if you guys tune in on Twitter, um, head over to YouTube. If you want to ask Tim some questions, uh, we'll have it on display on the screen and everything. So, um, but first off, Tim, man, uh, besides the Third Long Foundation, uh, what do you have going on these days? Well, other than, uh, you know, doing the stuff over at 810, you know, I do uh, uh, Tuesdays with Saran Petro from four to five. And then uh, Frank Bull and I, the godfather of sports, do our crunch time uh, from six to seven on Thursday. And then uh, and then Friday mornings is my fun, my fun day with uh, the Border Patrol guys. So doing that and also uh, back in coaching over at Bishop Meage, coaching the offensive line over there. Took a couple years off uh, to go watch my son play football at Notre Dame. And, uh, you know, anytime I get an opportunity to uh, give back to this great game that gave me so much, man, I'm going to take advantage of it. And I'm just loving and blessed that I'm able to go over and work with those kids. Shoot, that's cool, man. Um, so like, what's that? Is your daughter still swimming? No, both both of my daughters uh, are done. My my uh, oldest daughter, who swam at Notre Dame, she graduated, and uh, she's living in Cincinnati. So that was uh, yeah. nice yeah, having Let me tell you something. That was an interesting. Uh, you know, so we went out to the game in in Cincinnati with the whole family. And she had a bangle hat on. And I'm like, listen, I've oh, been man. paying all these bills for all these years. Uh, you're wearing a bangles hat? I mean, the Chiefs. I mean, why do you how do you think you got all those clothes and all that stuff that you got through the Chiefs money? And now you're wearing a bangle hat? So yeah, uh when she said, Well, Dad, I I'm rooting for the Chiefs, but you know, you know how that goes. <laughs> I, Kylie, I, I, maybe I need your help, man. I've never, never been very good communicating with my daughters. They, they run the show <laughs> in the house. So I, I got to find a way to get her kind of back into this Chiefs fold because it's, it's kind of aggravating to look at that Cincinnati colors on her. 
I know, I know. I think, I mean, just keep buying her cute Chiefs clothes, maybe. I mean, that way she's just like, oh, I got to wear it. It's so cute. Maybe just get some real fresh stuff going on for her. That's a great idea. And the other thing, she's yeah. got this dog now that, you know, she's putting these out. So I'll buy the dog cheap stuff. So that, that'll really aggravate her. So she has That's to put that on the dog too. So, yeah. But uh, yeah, so we got to do something. Uh, but yeah, so she's living in Cincinnati. And then my other daughter who swam uh, is uh, her senior year of nursing. And uh, they got so much stuff going on with uh, all the uh, nursing program that she's no longer swimming, but thanks for asking. Uh, very, very proud of my two daughters that were swimmers. They really worked hard, and that's a tough sport. So, oh man, I never swam. I don't think I could. It looks tough. The only way I, I can swim at the Lake of the Ozarks, I had that one arm swim. I carry my beer in one hand and like <laughs> tread water in the other one. That's about all I could do. So they didn't get it from me. <laughs> I still get to go to the Lake of Ozarks. I got to uh, knock that off at some point. There you oh, go. For sure, for sure. Yeah, so, absolutely. It's, it's a great time. time. Yeah. So um, I was about to say is that now that you are coaching and everything, um, how different is the viewpoint uh, from you playing in the sport and you coaching the sport now currently? That's a great question. Um, you know, I started coaching basically right after I was done playing in, in uh, 2001 for a guy named Rick Byers over at St. Pius High School. Rick is my mentor. I love Rick. Now he's over at uh, William Christman uh, coaching there as a head coach. And, uh, you know, I had to learn a lesson because when I first got there coaching the offensive line, you know, I, I kind of wanted to be buddies with the guys. You know, I, I, listen, I'm a, I like to have a good time. I like players. I, like, I think I'm one of the players, all that kind of stuff. And, and I realized that doesn't work. Uh, so I had to kind of make a, a seed change a little bit. And uh, um, and when I did that, uh, I kind of started getting into the role of coaching. And I coached there for four years. And then I was a head coach at uh, uh, Bishop Miege for six years. And then went out to KU with Charlie Weiss. We don't talk about those times. Those, those... <laughs> <laughs> and then I went over and coached at Bishop Miege again. So I love coaching. And, you know, any time that you can give uh, a young man, uh, you know, and young women uh, with other sports also, but you give a young man an opportunity or a vehicle to go on and go to college. And listen, I always tell our kids, there's a football program out there for you. If you want to play, we'll find a program for you. And it's such a great sport. And when you get to college and you have an opportunity to, to play a collegiate sport, I think it does a great job, first of all, of keeping you kind of focused. Uh, keeping you uh, uh, kind of in line a little bit. And, and really, uh, you know, your time management is so important in college. So most of the time, student athletes do a pretty good job of, of, of graduating and, and, and going on uh, from college. But uh, I think sports does a great job for that. So I love to give these kids an opportunity or vehicle to use sport like I did to go ahead and make a living on it or even go to college with it. Hey, Tim, I was always curious why you never – uh, went the pro route. You you did you you've done all levels, except that the top level. Why did why didn't you ever go NFL? Well, it, it really um, you, you kind of got to jump right into that right after you're done, and that's one of the reasons why uh, I think I struggled a little bit in the college level because I was 43, 44 years old, and now jumping into college football and working 16, 17 hours a day, you know, for a guy that hasn't been doing that. So I've kind of made the decision. Uh, not to coach. Uh, actually, Herm Edwards asked me if I was interested, and I said, no, Herm, I'm just going to coach uh, in the high school level. And then uh, I, you know, I also coached in NFL Europe. 
I coached for the Cologne Centurions in, in Germany, and I really enjoy that. Uh, but you know what? I, I just felt like I had a, um, a great opportunity to affect young men's lives and give them an opportunity to have success. And, and uh, you know, if you, you know, they're all, all the, not all the football players in high school uh, are going to go on to play in college and very few even go on to play in the pros, but they're all going to live in our neighborhoods and they're all going to be uh, part of our lives and all going to be part of, you know, Kansas City. So if you can affect young men and give them an opportunity to grow, an opportunity to learn, an opportunity to understand responsibility and understand how to go ahead and, and, and make the best out of their lives. If I could do that a little bit with, with being a football coach and mentoring, to me, that was more important. And that's another thing why I really never went on and did any kind of color uh, commentating or any of that kind of stuff. I just thought my role would probably be better uh, to go ahead and work with kids. And, and I really enjoyed that. Okay. That's, that's cool, man. Um, so, like, you mentioned uh, you mentioned that you coach NFL Europe out in Germany. Um, mm -hmm. I know you've seen the news swirling around that the Chiefs are going to be playing out in Germany next season. Uh, the rumor I've been seeing is that they'll be playing the Buccaneers. Uh, just waiting on confirmation. So, I mean, what do you think about the Chiefs um, going overseas again, this time in Germany and playing out there and try to expand that fan base? Well, I'm going to maybe break a little news on uh, oh. the Kingdom cast here that uh, it looks like now this is just everything kind of works out. You know, we got all that crazy stuff going on over in Europe right now, but uh, I'll be going over there with Dante Hall to Germany to do some work to promote the game. So, uh, really nice. looking forward to that. Uh, it's still kind of in limbo right now because of all the stuff going on. But, you know, I think it's a great opportunity. Listen, the German people love American football. Um, and uh, I think that they're going to love the Chiefs. And they're going to – the Chiefs are uh, uh, partnering with the Munich soccer team out there. And uh, so there's a nice little relationship there. So I think it's great. Um, you know, I'm not sure that they should open up a market – uh, in Germany or any of those places. But I think by, by the time it's all said and done, London will have a football team in the NFL and, uh, you know, they'll, they'll expand out into Europe. So I think it's a good opportunity for the chiefs to build their brand. Yeah. I, I was, uh, my, dad, uh, my dad was in the military. So I was out in Frankfurt at the time. I forgot the, I forgot the name of the team though. Galaxy. But Frankfurt, yeah, Frankfurt Galaxy. Galaxy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah, we played against those guys. We also played in Amsterdam. We can't talk about that, though, here, though. <laughs> <laughs> How big of a – yeah, just curious, you know, with it being quite a commute to go to Europe, uh, how big of an effect do you think that has on the team and the players having to travel overseas to prepare for a game? That's a great question, and I do think it has an effect. Now, a lot of times they try to put it around a bye week, so let's hope that the NFL will be uh, cognizant of the scheduling. So if the Chiefs go and play in Germany the next week, they'll have their bye week. Uh, but, yeah, um, but, you know, in this day and age, you know, when you fly from New York to L.A. to play, that's a, what, a six-hour flight or five-and-a-half-hour flight. And you could basically get over in, a, you know, from New York into uh, London and into Germany in about eight or nine hours. So it's just a little bit longer. But – but yeah, to your question, it is that does uh, cause uh, a little bit of an effect. You got some jet lag, and and you know mm -hmm. you're uh, you know as soon as you're done playing, all of a sudden you're going on an airplane. We we played in Tokyo twice when I was oh, wow. Chiefs uh, in preseason games, and then we played in Germany once in Berlin my rookie year, 
And I remember playing the game, and then, you know, right after the game, you get on the plane. And I never forget, you know, about eight, six, seven hours into that, that long flight from, from Tokyo, you know, you're cramping up and you're, and you're just all tight. And it's, it's, it certainly is a process. So uh, hopefully the NFL will figure out a way that they can have a bye week either before or after that game. Yeah, really yeah definitely. Yeah. Boogie, Boogie, what's going on, man? I thought you had, I felt like, like you had something earlier for Tim. Oh, no. Well, you said you don't think that we'll get a team over there. Well, you said you think they will eventually. How long do you think that'll be? Because it seemed like they've been trying to do that for a while. Like you said, Tokyo. I didn't even know y'all played in Tokyo. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, I, I think I think here within the next 10, 15 years, there'll be a team in London. So here, here's the plan is what I heard, is that what they'll do is they'll the NFL is going to build a practice facility slash NFL facility uh, somewhere on the East Coast, maybe near New York or New Jersey. And what a team will do is they'll travel after their game and they'll practice over in New York, and then they'll jump on a plane and fly to London, and then they'll fly back after that, and then they'll practice for one more week uh, in that practice facility, and then they'll hopefully have a, another East Coast game. So uh, it, it, there'll, there'll be an opportunity. So if, you, if let's say you're playing in Denver, uh, you'll fly to after your game. You'll fly to New York. You'll practice there. You'll get on a flight. The flight of you know a six-hour flight or something to London. You get back. You land in, in New York again. You have your day off. You practice there, and then you play in an East Coast game and you go home. Now that's going to cause some travel issues for people that are going to be away from home and be away from people for a long time. But that's kind of I think what the what the, uh, uh, the situation will be for the teams that go and play in London. And uh, you know, listen, the NFL just like. You know, the NBA has expanded into, you know, China and some other places. The, the NFL understands they got to open up their market. Uh, it's a huge market. It's a huge corporation. And uh, they, they need to open up and, and expand a little bit. Uh, just let's hope that it doesn't hurt the product and uh, cause any issues with travel and everything else like you were talking about, Buggy. I'm, I wonder, too, um, so obviously if they want to expand to Europe, they've already expanded the season to 17 games. And I know when you played, there were 16 games. So I guess, first off, how do you feel about them adding another game? And then also to that, do we think they'll add, go to 18 games with an expansion into Europe? Yeah, they might. Um, and if they do that, I think you won't see any preseason games or maybe just one preseason game. You know, preseason games are, are are basically worthless now. Nobody really plays in them anyway. So. Uh, you know, back back when when uh, you know, even just right before I was there, they were playing six to eight preseason games. I mean, it was crazy. So uh, you know, we played four preseason games, and you know, most of the time the the, the older guys only played maybe in the second game and the third game. They never really played in the first and the fourth. So you really only need one game, maybe two games. You don't need all those preseason games. So if you add that, obviously it has to be negotiated, and the players will get paid more, which Usually they don't mind too much. So, uh, but that'll probably be the process. But to answer your question, I think they could go to 18, but I think 18 will be it. I thought the season this year uh, was a, a good length, but man, you look, it was the middle of February and you're still playing football. I mean, it's mm -hmm. crazy. So uh, you really can't go too much farther. Yeah. Now you say, now you say preseason might be worthless now, but um, don't you think like you still kind of need preseason just to, just to get the timing down still as far as game speed and, of course, checking out the guys that are trying to make the roster. 
Yeah, that's the key is the guys that are trying to make the roster. Those are the ones that really get affected because, you know, on most rosters, a 53-man roster, there's about 40, 40 guys they know are going to make the team. And then you got about 13 or 14 or 15 guys are trying to make it. And for those guys, preseason games are so important. Uh, but, you know, in this day and age, listen, they, in fact, preseason games were, you know, it, originally they were to get guys in shape because most of the guys worked in the offseason. You know, Ed Buddy, who played for the Chiefs, worked at Coca-Cola. You know, he worked at Coca-Cola all offseason. And then all of a sudden in, in July, he would, you know, put his Coca-Cola, you know, shirt down and go pick up his Chiefs shirt. And they, they would get in shape. So that's why they had so many preseason games. Now these guys have off-season program they have OTAs they have all these different things that they're doing that are all organized so to your point you do need to kind of knock the rust off with some hitting and 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 kind of getting used to having those pads on but most of these guys are doing football stuff basically all year round so I don't think it affects the timing as much but the football aspect of tackling and blocking and all those kind of things uh, you certainly need some preseason games or a couple of intense practices during training camp, which they really don't have anymore anyway. So now, yeah. now you play with Marty. Your definition of intense practice is a way different thing than what today is, right? Yeah, man. You know, we had six and a half weeks one time, almost seven weeks of two days, and we were in pads every day. Uh, it was brutal, uh, and uh, Marty. He didn't believe in, you know, going in shorts and shells. He wanted – hey, we had to talk him into putting taking his shoulder pads off on Fridays towards the end of his uh, time with Kansas City. And we were doing full live drills on Friday morning. I mean, it was crazy. Uh, but it was Marty Ball. You know, listen, he liked to run the ball, like smash mouth. He was all about intensity, all about toughness, all about being physical. And the only way he knew how to get that across was by practicing that way. And he used to say all the time, hey, listen – you know, we're going to go out there, we're going to work hard, we're going to practice hard, and we're going to be able to walk on that field and know that we put in the time and the effort to win a football game. But as you guys know, we got to the end of the year, you know, when the playoffs rolled around, it was the walking wounded, man. It looked like MASH out there. So uh, <laughs> that, that, affect, that affected a lot of times in the playoffs, and I think it hurt Marty's uh, playoff record because, I mean, he was so intense during the regular season. I, yeah, I mean, I was, I was watching the, the, the Joe Montana documentary, and you weren't interviewed, but you did show up a couple of times. You actually played with Joe Montana, like yeah, yeah, played with Joe for uh, two years. Yeah, it was I'll never forget, man, when he walked into the locker room and listen, I had his poster on my wall growing up. I mean, I love Joe Montana, and all of a sudden, here's Joe Montana. I didn't know what to call him was Mister Montana or Joe, or I wasn't sure what to call him. Uh, so he, uh, you know, he came over and said, hey, uh, Grunny, you know, Joe Montana, you know, I heard you're my center. Let's go out and grab something to eat. And from that point on, we had a really great relationship and uh, a wonderful guy, uh, just a great professional. I wish we would have had him four or five years earlier while he was in his prime, but he still brought us to an AFC championship game, you know, and he was basically 36, 37 years old. Nowadays, that's nothing for quarterbacks, but back then, you know, they actually hit quarterbacks back then. You know, you can't <laughs> touch these guys now. So, you know, Joe Montana, you know, he had, he had, you know, his elbows were all swollen. His knees were all swollen. It, it was tough to watch him sometimes because he took a beating in his career. How was he like preparation-wise? 
Yeah, man, he he was as good as I've ever been around. But even more importantly than that, Boogie, he 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 just exuded confidence. You know, when he walked into our locker room, you know, we got credibility right away with Joe Montana walking in. And the other thing is this, he has so much confidence on the football field. You know, prime example, we were playing against Denver Broncos on a Monday night game, the, the Elway Montana game that everybody talks about one of the best Monday night games. And, you know, we had a minute, no 10 left or something. And, you know, listen, we got our butts kicked up in Denver all the time. And it was always a close game. And then Elway would come back and beat us and be, you know, like, not again. So right. it happened. Elway goes down and scores with about a minute, 20, minute 15 left. And we're thinking, oh, man, so we get in the huddle. and We're all just kind of bumming out. Montana walks in the huddle and kind of like he did in the John Candy story. I'm not sure everybody's heard. Hey, is that John Candy up there? He said something a little different. He made a comment about, did you see the outfit those cheerleaders were wearing? And we all looked at him like, he goes, guys, relax, man. This is what I do. We're fine. We're going to go down and win. And at that point, we're like, okay, here we go. And we did. That was Joe Montana. Wow. That's awesome. I remember that game because that was the first game. My dad was like, okay, you can finish the game. You can stay <laughs> and finish. Like, it was definitely bad time at that time, but he was like, you can stay and finish the game. Like, and man, it was worth every second of it. It's funny. It's funny. It's funny you say that because my dad was the same way. Uh, Monday night games, I, I would at halftime, I'd pretend like I was sleeping on the floor. And he'd say, hey, you got to get up to bed. And I'd be like, act like I was sleeping. So maybe he'd kind of forget it and let me go so I could watch the game. But, yeah, uh, I remember many, many times begging my dad, let me just finish the game, let me finish the game. But very few times he let me do that. But uh, you're right, man. Nothing like when your dad says, hey, you can finish a Monday night game. Then you knew that you were a grown-up, I guess. Right? <laughs> so I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. I had a um... – <laughs> on those Monday night games during school nights or whatever, I put a towel underneath the door just to make sure uh, mom would see that it's dark and I would be asleep. It was working for a while, and then she caught me one night doing it. She's like, Charles, get your butt to bed. <laughs> you know what? They always catch you, man. You know what? The moms, yeah. they always get you. You know? Uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, that, that was, that's a beautiful thing about, about the NFL and about football, I think, is you know, you share so many stories about, you know, family and, and mothers and fathers and brothers and cousins and, and everybody, especially, you know, I fell in love with Kansas City coming here. And so many people have told me throughout the generations that, you know, hey, I grew up, you know, my, my mom and dad were season ticket holders and I got a season ticket. And the first thing I bought when I got a job was a couple of season tickets. And, and uh, you know, we realized, at least I realized that it's a sacrifice to go to a Chiefs game. It's a sacrifice. Some people decide between going on vacation in the summer or getting season tickets for the Chiefs games. And I can't tell you how blessed and how lucky and 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 how uh, just awesome it makes you feel that people will do those kind of things to come and watch you play. Because in reality, we're all performers. I mean, we're, we're, at, we're out there performing and we're doing our job. We're putting on a show. And, uh, you know, people are paying for that. And you, that's why I always felt, man, listen, I'm going to finish every play and I'm going to enjoy everything I do. And I'm going to I'm going to acknowledge the fans because, you know, those people are out there, man. They're busting their butt to get to a game. You know what? And they should have just as good a time as you have when you win a football game. And uh, that was important to me to share my excitement and my love for the game for people. And that's one of the reasons why I do radio is because, you know, I love the idea that 
if I could share one or two things during a segment that makes you enjoy the football game just a little bit more, then I've done my job because I owe that to football. And I, I owe it to uh, the NFL. And I always felt like that was an important aspect is to share your knowledge and so people can enjoy the game even more. Last thing on Joe Montana. Can you confirm the stink, the stink bomb? Was that the first initial meeting with Joe Montana or was that like the... It wasn't the first meeting, but Joe was notorious for his pranks and all those guys. I mean, you'd be, you know, I, I know this is a PG-13 show, but you'd be sitting on, on the potty in there and all of a sudden it'd be snowing white talcum powder over the top on you and it'd be Joe <laughs> Montana. You go in the shower hey, no. and you come out and you get a towel and you'd be wiping and it'd be shaving cream in the towel. That was Joe Montana. Hey, no. And the other thing is he, he'd always throw a stink bomb. At least once once a, a month, he'd have a stink bomb in there. And everybody knew who it was. But how do you got to yell at Joe Montana? I mean, Marty Schottenheim would just give that little smirky thing and walk off. I mean, if it was anybody else, Marty would be kicking his ass, but not Joe Montana. <laughs> yeah, he knew what time it was. Yeah. But like, but I remember, I remember the first preseason game. I went back and watched it. Um, the first preseason game with Joe Montana as a quarterback, that was – that was like the most anticipated Kansas City Chiefs football game. Like just hearing, just going back and watching and hearing the crowd get hyped up for that, it was insane. Like cameras and stuff was everywhere for Joe Montana. So we enjoyed this couple years of Joe Montana, man. Just unfortunate that his career got cut short. Yeah, a couple here. things. Uh, number one, Joe always said that he regretted retiring and not playing a couple more years in Kansas City. He loved it so that. much. And I, I probably said that on his, on his show. It's true. And one of my favorite stories about Joe Montana, you know, he lived over by uh, 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 the golf course over there off of like Nall, 135th and Nall, whatever. Uh, so, you know, he lived in a cul-de-sac neighborhood there. And his kids were, you know, fairly young. They were in their early teens. And, and, and the boys, you know, they had a bunch of buddies and they would be playing football and baseball and basketball all over the neighborhood. So one day it was a Saturday afternoon and the doorbell rang and and Joe's like, Jennifer, get that. And, and she wasn't there and the kids weren't there. So he, he's like, oh, man, I'll go get the door. And he opened, he looked out the window. And he saw about 20 kids. And he's like, oh, man. He said, I, you know, I, I just don't feel like, you know, signing autographs, doing all that kind of stuff. And so he opens the door and they're like, Mr. Montana, can your boys come out and play? And he's like, I love it. He loved that. that they weren't there to see <laughs> Montana. They were there to hang out with the Montana boys, and he was just their dad. So that's why he loved Kansas City. You know, and, and you know, he had he was established in San Francisco with some businesses and everything else. But he often says many times that he loved Kansas City, loved living in Kansas City, just for the fact that people kind of let him alone. I mean, as much as you can leave a superstar like Joe Montana alone, they let him alone. And he lived there, and his kids had a great time. He said his kids enjoyed living in Kansas City more than anywhere else. And it's just because, you know, they were just normal kids there, which was something he really wanted. Well, speaking of guys that can't be left alone, we had a, we got this guy named Patrick Mahomes. And uh, he, as much as Joe brought credibility to Kansas City, Pat actually won the title. We're legitimate contenders. We're going to always be in the conversation as long as he's the quarterback, right? So – with the with the change this all season of the EV and the Nagy and and even Andy Reid coming in, how do you see that playing out this season? Well, first of all, 
anytime you know you, you hear about a player and a coach having an argument, that that happens all the time. I mean, that's just part of it. Two type A personalities, two guys that are very competitive, two guys who want to win. I love Eric Bieniemy. I played against Eric Bieniemy when he was in college. He was at Colorado when I was at Notre Dame. We played him in the Orange Bowl, and he came out. And I, as God is my witness, he came out and he came out to the to the fifty yard line. and came over to Notre Dame sideline and challenged everybody on our team. And at that point, I'm like, "What's this guy all about, man?" But then I watched him play, and he backed it up. I mean, he was tough, physical, and he was and he was a great sportsman. He's a great guy, but he was an intense competitive, I guess, you know, like he called uh, my ta- or Mahomes a competitive prick. Well, <laughs> he was kind of that way too. So, you know, those are two big personalities, and they're going to have arguments. I remember Art Shell and I went nose to nose on a, thir- uh, a Thanksgiving Thursday Thursday game in Dallas. We were nose to nose. I mean, we were both competitive, both guys who played the game, both guys who wanted to win, both, both guys who, you know, both wanted respect. Both guys were players. And that kind of stuff happens. So do I believe that Eric Bieniemy and, and, and Patrick Mahomes at times probably have words with each other? Absolutely. But that doesn't mean that you don't love them. That doesn't mean you don't respect them. And you know what? Every once in a while, and this is an important point, maybe this is my coaching side coming out, players have got to understand they got to get out of their comfort zone sometime. And you got to be coached. You got to be coached. If you get to the point where you think you're not, uh, you're too good to be coached, then you start to fade and you start to die. You wither and die. Of playing the game of football or really anything else in your life, it's about getting out of your comfort zone. The only way that you can grow is to get out of your comfort zone. So I'm glad Eric the enemy's back. I'm glad that he holds uh, uh, Travis Kelsey uh, accountable. I'm glad he holds Patrick Mahomes accountable. I'm glad he does those things. All right. And then I think Nagy coming back is great for Patrick because – Patrick was kind of weaned on Nagy's coaching and teaching. And I think it'll be good for him to have a fresh set of eyes looking at some of the things he's doing well and some of the things he needs to work on. Because you know what? Patrick Mahomes still has to get better too. All right? he He's not there yet. I mean, he is the best quarterback maybe in the league, but he's not there yet. That's part of the growing process. If you're an NFL player, you better you're either getting better or you're getting worse. You never stay the same. And good coaching will get you better. And if you don't take coaching, you're going to get worse. You ain't staying the same. I'm so glad you said all that because that's the point I was making on the last episode of Kingdom Cast in regards to Patrick Mahomes. Like, yeah, you're the best quarterback in the league, but you're still not a finished product. There's still some things you need to work on. So I'm glad you said all that, Grant. And, and, and Chuck, and Chuck, I hate to cut you off, but you know what? Patrick Mahomes knows it too. He's the, he knows he needs to get better. He knows there's things that he has to do better and 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 work on. So. Don't feel sorry for Patrick Mahomes because Eric Bieniemy's chewing his ass. I mean, that's just part of it, man. If the day that I always say to kids, the day that the coach stops talking to you is the day you should get worried, right? Because then they don't give a crap about you anymore, right? Or then they don't think you're you, they're worth your time coaching. So you know what? It's a good thing. You know, I listen. I want Eric Bieniemy to be, be a head coach in the NFL. I think he'd be a great coach in the NFL. He brings the juice. He, he brings the enthusiasm. He brings the toughness. He brings the experience. Uh, but since we have him here in Kansas City, we should be happy and blessed every time he has an opportunity to walk out of that tunnel with that team. 
after that sermon, uh, we got collection plates being handed out in the back. <laughs> For real, though. Hey, hey, hey man, Granny, uh, you, you killed it. Uh, next subject. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Hey, you know what, I, I, think, I think it's so important for people to understand that, you know, these guys are humans, too. I mean, they go home and, you know, they got to take the garbage out. They got to go grocery shopping. They got to cut the lawn. They got to do all those things. They do. All right. And, you know, they get in arguments. They get in fights. They have bad days. You know, they wake up on the wrong side, wrong side of the bed. I mean, that stuff happens. So, um, you know, I, I just I don't like when people say, well, you know, I can't believe that Eric Bieniemy and Patrick Mahomes are you know, arguing and fighting with each other. This is part of the process. And you know what? I promise you that they'll be given big bro hugs next time they see each other. Randy, I yeah. want to ask you about Creed Humphrey. Yeah. What did you think about, about him? About who? Creed Humphrey. Creed. Yeah, I love Creed, man. That guy shows a lot of toughness. And the one thing that I really think he does a good job of is he's just so physical with his hands. He does a really nice job of getting his hands in the right spot and finishing plays. And, uh, you know, he, he he's another guy that, listen, that offensive line with him and Smith, that that's a, you know, I was blessed enough to play with Dave Zott and Will Shields for nine or ten years. And I can look at Will and I can look at Dave and make a grunt noise, and they knew exactly what we were going to do or how, what I was trying to say. And that's what you need to do on that offensive line. Remember, the offensive line, you got the five guys, right? And you got to be a fist. All five guys got to work together. And we saw that in the Super Bowl uh, a couple of years ago when, you know, the Chiefs had a bunch of guys out and they weren't working together. But Clark Hunt made it a point of emphasis to Red Beach. He said, listen, I want this offensive line to address this offseason. The Chiefs went out and got Tony. They went out and got Orlando Brown, and they went and drafted two superstar young football players. That offensive line is healthy. And to answer your question, Creed Humphreys is a—he's a dude, man. But you know, hey, listen—he didn't get to go to the Pro Bowl this year. That happens. That's part of. That's just part of. He'll, he'll, yeah. get, he'll get his. He'll get it. You know, sometimes it takes a little couple more years than you hope. I, I know all about that. You know, it takes some time. Everybody, you know, but. He, to me, and I know this for a fact, he's more concerned about, you know, winning football games, building a great tradition in that offensive line again, and bringing the Chiefs to a Super Bowl than he is about any Pro Bowls and all pros. So he, he's a good young football player. I really enjoy watching him. So so do you think that same, that same conversation happened this year about the D-line? Do you think Clark came to Brett and said, okay, we got to fix this? If we don't fix anything, we got to fix this. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why you saw Reed gone. Uh, and, you know, I think personally, I'd like to see Ingram stay. I think you can get him on the, a little bit on the cheap. And he's great in that room. Everybody I've talked to over there and all the guys that are in that room, I'm talking about that room, I'm talking about the defensive line room in their meeting room. He's great. He's a great leader. Uh, he knows how to study, he knows how to communicate. And he knows how to hold people accountable. So I hope he stays. But you're, you're going to see, probably see Frank Clark leave. And you're, you know, you're probably going to see Okafor leave. So what they'll probably do is they'll probably go out and maybe find a guy in the draft. I think the Chiefs, personally, they got a bunch of third-round picks. If they're going to be serious about this defensive line, trade some of those picks. And Seren's going to get mad at me because he hates trading picks. Trade some <laughs> picks, move up in the top 15 or 20, and go get yourself an elite 
defensive end slash outside linebacker that rushed the quarterback. Because we saw what the Cowboys did. They went out and got one, and that defense got exponentially better. <laughs> Chiefs should do the same thing. Listen, the window for the Chiefs is open right now. And it'll be open for, you know, that, that, I, and I agree with the fact that Patrick Mahomes, as long as he's there, the Chiefs will always be in the conversation for the Super Bowl. But that window of opportunity will close and then open up again while Patrick Mahomes is here. And that, that is still open right now. And while it's open, you go and find somebody who's a difference maker on the defensive line and you bring him in here and let's get that defensive line straightened out. There's no reason why the Kansas City Chiefs should add one sack against the Bengals when they had 18 sacks in the two games in front of them and behind them. That's ridiculous. So address the defensive line. Brent, are you being biased, or do you think the defensive line should be addressed before the secondary? Because to me, it seems like those are the two biggest holes we have on defense. Well, I think they're going to address both of them. Uh, I think what they'll try to do is, they'll, you know, depending on whether they want to use the draft capital to move up in the draft to get a defensive end, if they don't and they can't, then I think they go corner. I think the Chiefs should go out and find a good cornerback in, the, in free agency, too. Uh, you know, uh, they got the dude from the Patriots. He'll be out there. He's going to be asking for a lot of money. But that guy's a ball hawk, man. He's a playmaker. Yeah, J.C. Jackson. So, you know, yeah. go out and find go out and find a corner. There's about three or four corners out there that are free agents uh, that are going to have the opportunity. And then it's, if you do that, then, you you know, you address one with the draft and you address the other one free agency. You address the corners with free agency and you address the defensive line with the draft. And, you know, I think they can do both. Uh, but you're right. They, they, the defensive backfield, that back end, you know, I think Snead's a hell of a football player. I think that uh, Matthew is going to be back. I think Thornhill, he came back this year. He got better. The arrow is still pointing up on Thornhill. He had those injuries. He's going to be good. He's going to be a good football player. They just got to really go out and find another corner, maybe a nickel, nickel uh, uh, type of defensive back corner slash nickel uh, to kind of straighten that out. But you know what? They did a good job of bringing in some young guys in that corner position. So let's see what they can do. But uh, I agree. I think the defense, and you look at the draft this year, I think you're going to see a lot of defensive players taken. And they're either going to address that cornerback position with a free agent, or if they can't get a defensive end, they're going to go corner in that first pick. But they also need a wide receiver. They need another wide receiver too. So we'll go. We'll, we'll, they got some work to do. Brett, that's why Brett Beach gets paid that big money, man. Figure it out. That, yep. That's interesting. You said Honey Badger, you think is coming back. I do, yeah. I mean, you, well, and the other thing is another – this is just speculation on my part, speculation. I think the okay. Chiefs go to a 34 defense next year. Mm. And, listen, they just signed uh, – their their defensive line coaches is one of the uh, elite de, uh, uh, odd defensive front defensive line coaches. They Why would you go out and get that guy when you're going to run a 4-3? Uh, and if you do that, you know, you could, you, you got, you got two linebackers right now and gay and, uh, and, um, uh, got the guy from Missouri. I'm drawing a blank. Bolden. 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 You got two guys. I mean, those are, those are heck of football players. You know, you go out and you draft the outside linebacker type of guy, uh, in the draft. Now you got three and maybe go find somebody, uh, and because I think it's easier right now to address building on those linebackers than going out and finding three quality defensive linemen because that's what they're going to have to do. Now they go and find two quality defensive linemen, maybe one quality defensive lineman, and they can run that defense. That's just speculation, but you heard it here first. Yeah, that speculation is interesting because, like, um, you know, if you go and change the scheme, 
if that does happen, you definitely got to have some some outside linebackers with some athleticism and speed. Because I think it's certain parts of this defense uh, we like its speed. So we yeah. definitely need some speed. Well, so, you got Bolton and Gay are a good start. Those both of those guys yeah. are very athletic. And 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 you know what? You those those two came in, man. Those dogs, those puppies knew how to bite. You know, they you can't teach tackling anymore because in college level, you know, nobody tackles because you know you, you have all these rules now. And then you get in the NFL and there's even more rules. So, you know, when you do look in a draft, you better find a guy who knows how to tackle and is willing to do it because it's hard to teach that anymore. Yeah, like you mentioned earlier, like you mentioned earlier, uh, practices, they aren't like how they used to either. It's not, they're not as physical like back in your time. So, yeah, well, they take care of the guys now. You see me walk, walking around, you'll see why. Hey, man, we don't want our guys to look like that in 25 years. That's for sure. So. Hey, Bernie, can I ask you a hypothetical question? Um, how would you attack Chris Jones as center? Yeah, I would be aggressive on Chris Jones. Uh, I would try to get on him as quick as I possibly could because he is just so good at getting to his second move. Uh, so I would I would do what we call, you know, you jump him, get on him quick, try and get on your hands as quick as possible, take him off, get him, get him off balance and start, and then hold on for dear life. Uh, <laughs> but, if, but if you step back on him and you give him some room to maneuver – He's going to set you up, and that second move is going to get you. So you got to take chances when you're going against a guy like Chris Jones. Now, as a center, if you're blocking Chris Jones by yourself, then you need to walk off the field and tell that offensive coordinator and that offensive line coach that they're dumbasses, right? <laughs> so we, you need to double-team them. That's the answer, to double-team them. And that's why the Chiefs should have an opportunity to get to the quarterback because they're double-teaming Chris Jones all the time. So those outside guys who got to make plays, and they, you know, I thought Frank Clark had some good games this year and made some plays, but you got to be more consistent with that. If you got a superstar like Chris Jones in it, every offensive coordinator and every offensive line coach, I can promise you, if I'm sitting in that room and I'm coaching the offensive line, we're playing Chris Jones, the first thing I'm asking is, how are we going to address the situation with Chris Jones? That's the first thing you ask. And then you work everything else from that. So, uh, Chris Jones, if, if I had to go one-on-one -on -one with Chris Jones, kind of like with Howie Long back in the day or with Cortez Kennedy back in the day or with Ted Washington or with those kind of guys, you better be aggressive. Get your hands on them really quick and get them kind of stun them and take them off their game because if you sit back and you let them kind of dictate the action to you, you're done. Man, those are some beasts right there, man. Yeah, those are some big guys you just – yeah. yeah. Do you, do you, you actually went nose to nose with our shell? Are you crazy? Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> tell me about it. Yeah, Art, Art is a tough dude, man. And he's, he's scary. scary. He's scary. I did. I did. And then after the game, he's like, you know, Granny, I love you, man. And I, I knew that we came out a little bit flat. And I had to get on your ass because they'd all listen. If I got on you, they're going to listen. And he was right. We, we, we came out flat. I, I like the very first, it was like the first series and I called something to Zot and, and we didn't communicate it right. The guy got through and tackled. It was like third down and two and he tackled him behind the line of scrimmage. We had a punt and we came off and Art was waiting for me, man. And I was like, <laughs> Oh God, here we go. And, but, but we came out flat. He, he understood, you know, he, he always used to say, I'm an offensive lineman coaching offensive line. I'm not an offensive line coach. So get your ass ready to play because I know what you can do and what you can't do. And I really enjoyed playing for him. 
do you feel like um yeah do you feel like the center position has changed a lot over the last 20 years i know you mentioned creed humphrey and how he's using his hand so much do you feel like there's big changes since you were playing well i think just on the offensive line as a whole there's been a lot of big changes because it's mostly you got to be able to pass protect um you know if i was coming out 30 years ago uh, i wasn't the best pass protector but i was a great run blocker and that's why one of the reasons why i got drafted by the chiefs so, you know, when the pass was called, I was like, oh, here we go. We'll see what happens here. But nowadays, these guys, they've got to be great pass protectors because there's so much passing going on in the NFL. And you got to be so athletic. And the other thing is these dudes are huge and they're athletic. I mean, back in the day, you had really big guys that weren't that athletic. And you had smaller guys like me that were athletic. But now you got big guys that are athletic. And it's just amazing to watch these guys go out there and play. Yeah. Um, so who are your top five centers in the league today? I don't know if you follow the league entirely. <laughs> Man, that's tough. Yeah. I, hey, listen, I, I, I've been out of the league for now 20 years now, so I only know like two centers. Nobody ever knows who the centers oh, okay. are. Nobody even knew who I was back then. So, <laughs> uh, But you know, I think Creed Humphries is definitely up there as one of the top five centers and working his way up to the top three, and he'll be a top one. He'll be one of the best centers in the league by the time it's all said and done. And Andy Heck, who's the offensive line coach for the Chiefs, was my teammate at Notre Dame. He was a, a senior when I was a junior. So we played four years together, and he's a great technician. And he learned from a guy named Joe Moore. And if, and he was, Joe Moore was our offensive line coach. And a lot of the stuff that Andy brings to the Chiefs was from Joe Moore. And if you guys follow college football, which I know you do, the offensive line Heisman Trophy Award is called the Joe Moore Award after that coach. So uh, Andy is just excellent at, at coaching, and he'll get those young guys right. Uh, he's a really stoic guy. He's the complete opposite of me. I mean, he's, he's very cerebral and just, you know, doesn't show a lot of emotion. I was the other way around. I was just screaming and yelling at people and trying to get them going and, you know, getting people fired up. But uh, he's an excellent coach, and, uh, and he's going to get Creed, Creed right. He's, he's a heck of an heck of a, a offensive line coach. Ronnie, who was the most difficult person that you blocked during your time? Well, uh, you know, Cortez Kennedy, uh, who was in the Hall of Fame, was an excellent, excellent player. Uh, Jerry Ball, who uh, played uh, for the Raiders and played for Detroit, was excellent. Uh, Howie Long, uh, you know, and then, you know, back in the day, you know, they would take, uh, they would take uh, like uh, – uh, Ch Charles Mann, and they would take Reggie White, and they would take all their best pass rushers and in shotgun, they line them up over the center. So I always hated that. And third down, a long situation, I look up, and there's Reggie White across from me, one on one. So, you know, and they knew that probably that I was more of a run blocker than a pass blocker. So it's probably taking advantage of the weakness. But, you know, playing against some of those guys was just unbelievable. But if I had to say the best player I ever played against, Overall, it was probably Cortez Kennedy, and he was one of my best buddies, man. He was just a hardworking guy, and uh, he went to Miami. We played against each other when I was at Notre Dame and Miami in some of those great battles, and then we became really good friends. But, boy, we went after each other in games, and and it was uh, it was always great to play against Cortez. That was in the AFC West then, too, so, yeah, I know that was. Oh, yeah, a couple times a year, and, and uh, so we got to know each other pretty well over 11 years, that's for sure. So um... – and, and and we know we got limited time. Uh, you you talked about wide receivers. Uh, I want you to touch on what wide receivers you think would fit the scheme and fit Pat 
Because I don't think you just have to fit the scheme. You have to fit Pat, too, when it's on your option routes and all that stuff and when Pat scrambles and moves in the pocket. What guys you think that, you know, pure speculation would fit with, with Pat in the scheme? Well, I'm not sure of some names. I mean, we all talked about Smith-Schuster and some of those guys. But what I think the Chiefs need, they need a bigger body, kind of like a Mike Williams kind of guy. Uh, Mike Williams, obviously, is going to stay with the Chargers. But they need they, – they have – they got, uh, uh, you know, Hill and they got Hardman. And they have those fast guys. But there's nothing like having a big target wide receiver to throw the ball to on one of those slants or one of those in routes or one of those hitch routes where a big body can muscle a guy off the ball and make a play. So uh, I think the Chiefs should really consider going and trying to find somebody with a little bit bigger body and give Patrick a little bit bigger target. You know, he, when he, he, he relies on Kelsey so much. But if you take Kelsey out of the game and, you know, then all the, the big plays, the chunk plays until really late in the year, we're all going to Tyreek Hill. And they were taking that away, too. So then Tyreek made some adjustments and did some other things that were underneath, which really helped out the Chiefs. But they need some more options. They got to take the top off and they got to attack the paint. And they have to attack the paint with Kelsey and a big body receiver. And then you can take care of the, the, the sideline to sideline with Hilaire or if McKinnon comes back, those kind of guys who are fast and catch the ball in the backfield. You got to attack at all three levels. And I thought last year the Chiefs didn't they didn't have the ability to attack at all three levels because of personnel problems. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, go ahead, Charles. Go ahead, Charles. Yeah. Um, I got a few more things, you know, uh, before we wrap up, because I want to be constant in your time, too. Um, I just ran across this earlier today. Um, <laughs> it's funny because it says back in 1992, uh, the Chiefs played the Bills. You guys played the Bills. I think it was the divisional round game. Um, it said you are the last player to get flagged for <laughs> helping the runner. I, <laughs> that's a rare penalty. Uh, that penalty hasn't been called since. I think no. um, it was a. I think it was like a screenplay to uh, Rod Thomas, and he was trying to drag him to the first down marker. You grabbed his left shoulder pad, was dragging him to the marker. So <laughs> that hey, was pretty Chuck, funny. Chuck, man, hey, listen, I was gonna finish that play, man. He wasn't down, so I'm getting him to the first down marker. Whatever right. it took, right? <laughs> right. If, if you were going, if you were going into McDonald's, man, and you were back in the line, I'd drag you up and get your Big Mac. I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure if you knew that or not. So you're the last play, person. Man. There you go. <laughs> uh, I wasn't sure if you knew that, that or not. So <laughs> I've never seen that play before, but it was hilarious. It was like, no, come on, dude. We got personnel down here. Come on. I yeah, hope the, best, right. the best part of that play is if you watch at the end of the play, the officials and all the they, they start to come together. I never seen anything like that before. <laughs> so they're talking for about a minute and a half, and I'm just kind of laughing back there. And Bruce Smith and, and Tally are in the yelling at the officials, like, right. you got to call that. You got to call that. I'm just laughing at him and smiling and just whatever. You know, I knew it was a penalty. I didn't care. I mean, we were losing the game anyway. So. I mean, what did I have to lose? Yeah. One other time I did something kind of like that was uh, I, I, for some reason, our, our long snapper got hurt. And I had a, I had a snap for punts in the Cleveland game in Cleveland in like 91. And uh, the ball was, we were losing. The ball was bouncing around back there. So I tried to slap the ball and hit the uh, returner with the ball so that it would be called a fumble. And they threw a flag on that for some reason. I don't know what they, like delay a game or something. I don't know what they called it on. So, 
I, I had all kinds of funny little penalties. It's just the way it kind of rolled. I, I found they were kind of fun to get called. So, you know, if you get called for holding it offside all the time, what fun is that? Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, what was throughout your years here in Kansas City, man? Um, we know we talked about Derek Thomas earlier in the show. Uh, what was he like as a teammate and a person off the field in general? Yeah, thanks for asking that question, Chuck, because uh, he, you know, he was special to me. Listen, we had very little in common. He was, uh, you know, African-American guy from the South in, in Alabama, and I was from Chicago, and we just became fast friends. I mean, right from the beginning, uh, I'll never forget, um, all rookies have to stand on, like, the tables and sing the fight song. And because I was a second-round draft choice and Percy Snow was holding out, I was the highest-round draft choice, so they picked on me. So all the guys were making me go up there and sing, like, every day. And finally, Derek Thomas stepped up and said, I don't want to hear that Notre Dame fight song anymore. He said, that's enough. No more. Honey, you come sit with me. And from that point on, we were best buddies. I love that guy like a brother. And and uh, he was very, very special to me and special in my life. And, you know, we had the same agent for uh, the first part of our career. And uh, just, uh, you know, he was just a special guy, man. Talk about a playmaker uh, on the defensive side. Whenever you needed a play, you knew 58 was going to come around and make a play. You want to talk about a guy who didn't like to practice? He didn't. He, this is before Iverson, man. I mean, remember Iverson? <laughs> <laughs> practice. Derek Thomas didn't. I remember watching him and saying, "This is Derek Thomas. This guy's terrible." And then all of a sudden, you get into, in the, into a game situation and he just destroyed people. That guy was special, man. He was awesome, and that's why you know I dedicated my time to helping out his charity. And I love his mom. I see his mom a couple of times a year. We give each other big hugs. And and uh, she's a very, very special person to me. And so is Derek. Yeah. You want to know the biggest mystery to me is? Uh, my, my father, can't you? you no, I was going to say I ran into his, his son a few times. He's a real good kid, too. It's, it's, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's a great kid. He's a good kid. Yeah, you know, what? All, all, all of his kids, you know, one of his, his daughters uh, was an unbelievable track athlete of Free State. Uh, and she went on to run track and, you know, all this, all these kids really turned out to be just great kids and third and long helped out with that whole deal with some mentorship and stuff. So, you know, very, very happy to be a part of that organization. And, uh, and Miss Betty who runs it, you don't mess with her, you know, you better answer the phone when she calls. So, uh, we, we, we love, uh, we love doing stuff. And that's why I did this seven, seven days for seven sacks auction items. And, uh, you know, if anybody out there is listening, I think, we're giving uh, two club level tickets and parking pass uh, to uh, a game uh, this year. And uh, I think the bidding's up to like six, $700. We'd love to get those bids up. If you guys, I always tell people, Hey, go make memories, man. You know, you can't, there's nobody, there's no, uh, there's no U-Hauls behind hearses. So, you know, uh, you can't take it with you. So enjoy it, make memories and have a good time with your life. And, and uh, this is an opportunity to do that. Be on the lookout for that guys. Um, you want to know the biggest mystery about the, the 90s era? You know, we had a bunch of great teams. Unfortunately, we couldn't get to the Super Bowl and all that. All kinds of talent and everything. But the biggest mystery of that era was your Pro Bowl season in 1999. Because I'm trying to figure out how in the world did that team not make the playoffs, man? Like, I looked at the roster. I said, dude, like, on offense, you know, we had a good offensive line. We had you, Zyde, Will Shields, you know. But we also had guys like Bam Morris and T. Rich was running the Rockwell, and we had a good receiving core and Joe Horn and 
Andre Ryzen was still playing. Oh. We had Derek Alexander and Tony G introduced himself to the league. And, and then we had we had then we still had Derek Thomas. We had Donnie Edwards and James Hasty and yeah. all kinds of talent, man. Wow. We had Leslie O'Neill from the Chargers. And I'm like, how did this team not make the playoffs? Yeah, you know what the killer was, and you know, the last game of the year we had to beat the Raiders to go to uh the playoffs and uh you know, not to not to say anything negative about our GM at the time, but he decided in, in January to sign a barefoot kicker who kicked the ball out of bounds. Oh my goodness, man! And then they got the ball on the forty yard line, and 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 Rich Gannon completed one pass, and Seabass kicked a fifty five yarder to win the game. So it's one like two plays. Mm. Um, yeah, that was Nettie, actually. Yeah, but oh. yeah. Thanks, Carl. I could- <laughs> yeah, I remember that again because we had to a good start that game too. We had like two returns for touchdowns. We had Bano return a punt, and then Hasty had a pick six. It was looking like we was about to do it because before the game, we had won eighteen of our last twenty against the Raiders, and then they said the Raiders haven't beat, haven't won an Arrowhead since nineteen eighty eight. We had all that going. It was looking like it's gonna be the same old story, and then we somehow lost that game. We. Yeah. Crazy. We're supposed to end on a happy note, Chuck. What are you doing? Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me, Chuck. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You, but you, guys already, you guys already made me miss church. Now I'm getting in trouble here with uh, – no, I'm like – No, hey, but uh, I, I will tell you this, guys. Um, you know, anytime that you, know, you have an opportunity to come on and talk about the Kansas City Chiefs and, and share some stories and for people who love the Chiefs, love the organization, love the people – I got to take advantage of it. So thank you guys so much for having me on. And uh, I got a book coming out in uh, July. And it's called, uh, uh, it's uh, A View from the Center. Uh, it's about the Chiefs in the 1990s and the rebuilding of the Chiefs in the 90s. And you guys, if you like the stories we talked about, got a bunch of stories and more, all about Rich Gannon, Joe Montana, Derek Thomas, Neil Smith, Dave Zott, Dan Saliamua, Bill Moss, all those guys, and talk about all those great games. So That'll be coming out here pretty soon, and I hope you guys uh, check it out. I had a lot of fun writing it, and it took about six, seven months to do it, and it's with the publisher now, and we're going to try and time it to come out during the season. So look for that book. Uh, it'll be coming out here pretty soon. You got any What's Dale Carter one? stories in there? What's that? You got any Dale Carter stories in there? Uh, nope, I don't have any Dale Carter stories. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so what's next for Third Longer Foundation? Well, as we, far as we, we have a golf tournament coming up on May 9th. Uh, if anybody uh, wants to go out and sign up and play in a golf tournament, all the Chiefs ambassadors and some of the current players uh, and uh, just a bunch of people from uh, the NFL come around. Uh, there's usually 36 groups and there's usually 36 uh, either current or ex-NFL players there to play with each group. So if you guys want to play some golf, if you want to uh, pick the brains of some of the guys who play for the Chiefs and play for the Chiefs, on May 9th, there's a golf tournament for third and long. We'd love to have you guys involved. Miss Donna invited us. Thank you, Miss Donna. There you go. Miss <laughs> Donna's the best. Don't mess with Miss Donna either. <laughs> well, th- Do I have to be good at golf or can I just come and try my best? No, you can come and hang out in the car with me and you know drink a couple beers and we'll just drive around. Perfect. I that. No, <laughs> that sounds, that's more my speed, I think, on the golf course. But I'll sign up for that. There you go. Well, uh, Tim, it's a blessing. I don't know how many times I've told you thank you over the last week or so. Uh, We did make a nice donation. I try to get close to your jersey number as possible with the donation. Make it special. And uh, 
you, you've been great. Miss Donna has been great. She says she would love to work with us down the line, and we would love to talk to you any other time or any other guys we can get. Uh, we enjoy you, man. You, you, you've been great for the city. You not only played here, but you stayed here. You built, built your family and the community and everything. And even though you're a Chicago guy, you're a Kansas City guy to us forever. Man, we appreciate it. And I'm dead serious. Let's let's do this again, whether it's, you know, after the draft or something, and we'll do it again during the season. Love talking with you guys. You guys are a blast to talk to. And thanks for all your support. And thanks for being a part of the Chiefs kingdom. You know, that's what's special about Kansas City is, you know, uh, there's so many great fans and the people that do these podcasts and stuff, you know, just sharing the fun and sharing the excitement and sharing the love for the Kansas City Chiefs. So thank you guys and God bless you all. Appreciate you, Grant. Yes. Thank like we ain't gonna call him back next week. That'll cost you another sixty-one dollars. That's fair. Totally fair. See y'all. We definitely enjoyed you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Woo! That was Tim Grunhard, everybody. Tim Grunhard. Legend, man. That was incredible. Legend that was incredible. building. Um, so I know I got it. I got to get that book. I got to hear more stories, sure. right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's good to look. Sometimes it's good to look behind the scenes and and and, and see them things that you always wondered about, and and kind of get some impact. Kind of get some feedback, some info on those type of things, man. That's always a great thing. So. That was a great, that was, man, I'm emotional. I know, right? <laughs> I know he like, I feel like he cracked that book open with all those little stories he was telling and then just couldn't stop listening. I was all ears. He was great. It's great <laughs> to have him on. So awesome, let's man. get into that tweet, Chuck, real fast before we get out of here. That, yeah, a few, uh, few more things to talk about. Do you have the tweet? The uh, Josina Anderson tweet? Yeah. I don't think it's a bad thing. It's just the way it's worded is weird and confusing. So I can't wait for her to follow it. Has she followed up with the tweet since then? Uh, I don't know. I'm with her, I'm with, I'm with her page recently. Okay. her page recently, but I definitely understood what she was talking about. So Okay, so what do you think? Um to me. First off, I got to find the tweet, first of all. Um, to me, when I first saw the tweet, um, I, I, it, I I just had an understanding that, you know, Matt Nagy's going to eventually take over as the next coach when Andy Reid retires. I mean, that's what I got from it when I saw the tweet. So that's how that's I looked great. at it. Would you be I mean, mad? I mean, Would you be mad well, about it? Well, my thing is this. Patrick Mahomes, he clearly, like, endorsed it because you know i just remember uh these series of tweets that have been going on for the past couple of weeks just across chief's kingdom in regards to matt nagy and airbnb like i seen tyreek you know tweet about airbnb saying he's one of the best coaches in the building travis kelsey retweeted it and i didn't see patrick mahomes retweeted it but you know when the matt nagy news came out about him coming back to our coaching staff you know patrick was right on it so you know, he, he clearly on board with Matt Nagy. And it just it sounds like, you know, with the EB with EB just getting another one year deal 
and possibly moving on somewhere else. You know, it just sounds like uh, Matt Nagy's going to be here for the long run. Man, I don't know if we can look too much into Pat not re- like retweeting something, but yeah, if it I'm is, he's at a bachelor party. <laughs> yeah, he's busy. Yeah. Got things going on. He's about to get and married, man. He's about to get married. His little girl just turned one. He was at the birthday party. That's what yeah. I'm gonna say. I mean, I can't stand TMZ, man. I'm like, what? Why did why did that have to be news, man? I'm like, he's just doing what a, a normal person would do for their bachelor party. Like, come on, man. Bro, he he at that level, bro. He at that level. Like, like, like you really could cover something else, man. I mean, I get it, but like that, that was just ridiculous to me. To cover I, I that. I think Chuck is just bad because the last two weeks it's been so much other. BS stories too, so it's like, damn. Now this is like, fuck, man. How many more stories, Mahomes stories, we getting in a week? Right. Oh, uh, this wedding will be crazy, right? You know that, right? Oh, absolutely. Y'all over that wedding. <laughs> they gonna try to see the camera in that wedding. Mm, oh she yeah. Off white. She should be wearing pastel, and he's wearing blue. He should be wearing black. And- it's, it's not good. You know how it is, bro. It's social media, we, we, man. So, Kali, hold on. You was cool what? with Nagy being a coach? I didn't hear you say it. Was you cool? Uh, no. I, if he was to become the head coach? Eventually. Uh, hypothetically. Randy Ray. I think, yeah, I think it's all going to be a timing thing for me. I think the, the way the tweet reads, it's kind of like maybe it could be after next season, which if that's the case, you're then looking at, okay, well, Eric Bieniemy's contract's a year, so do you skip over EB, who we've said so for so long, he should be a head coach, and, you know, every a lot of members of the chief staff have been like, he should be a head coach, but then the opportunity awaits, Reed leaves, and then you bring Nagy in as the coach. It's kind of, I don't know, I just think it gets a little messy. Um I wasn't a huge fan of, of how he handled the Bears as a head coach, but I don't hold that against them. I think that also has to do with the staff and the players and who he has around him. So um, I'm anxious to see what he does as, as a QB coach back here in Kansas City and the relationship he builds on with Patrick, and I think that'll tell a lot. All right, so here's the tweet. I got the tweet up right now. Okay, so here's what Josina said. She said, things in Kansas City are going to be quite interesting to keep an eye on right after – Oh, shoot, this stuff coming up on me, man. Sorry. <laughs> right after the NFL Combine and next season, Matt Nagy's addition will not only prove to be good timing to handle the upcoming allocation of duties, but also is very well received by Patrick Mahomes. So That's the, the allocation of duties part. That's the weird – what does that mean? Exactly. Eric Bieniemy's in charge of the running plays, and he's in charge of the passing plays. Probably. Is that what we think it is? Uh, that that's the weird part right there. That worry. Yeah, I and, mean, I think he might. I think he might be spying on with that country. And the combine is next week, so it's not like we got to wait a long time to get an answer. We we gonna be knowing pretty soon. Yeah, we know things heat up when them, when that was owner meetings and stuff. Remember how that Marcus Peters, how fast that shit happened? Mm-hmm. It was a little quick little thing, and it was like instantly. So, so we go hear about this real soon, but it's 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 gonna get crazy. I don't know, man. I, I'm I don't think Nagy's a bad 
option. Like you said, Kali, I, I see what you're saying with the Chicago. But if we, we be out, even with everything, he did have Mitchell Trubisky. So he got right. him to the playoffs. So <laughs> to me, that that you get some respect for that. But I agree that is going to be a little messy if somehow he is the coach and Eric Bieniemy is not. And Bieniemy has been a better offensive coordinator. Listen, be messy. Strap in. That's all I got to say. It's going to be crazy. Listen, man, the black coaches are only allowed to um, build up and build up teams in the rebuild years, man. So, <laughs> but anyway, um, besides that, man, in other news, Anthony Hitchens got released. And surprisingly, I've seen all kinds of people um, <laughs> upset about it. Like, Oh, I think he was. I think it was well overdue, man. Like he, he looked like he was getting older out there. I'm sorry. It was time for, it was time for Hitchens to go, man. Like he was a good mentor for Gay and Bolton, but it's time for the young boys to take over, man. So I don't get why people, so many people were so disappointed and upset about him being released. I, I don't get it. I mean, I think a lot of people will grow. Like we grow attachments to these players obviously but at the end of the day and i tweeted about this like it's a business and beach is going to make those decisions and the team's going to make those decisions that are best for the team going forward so as much as people might be hurt by it like if you want a better defense like these are those steps that need to be taken who was hurt about hitchens getting cut do, do y'all have any of their acts because i want them so as soon as this show <laughs> get them if anybody's at that wanted Hitchens to stay, please send it to me. Please let this episode. Because I'm so happy he's gone, man. I'm going to be out hey, man. Hitchens did what he was supposed to do. He, he carried us over a dry spot. He taught the guys how to be pros, how to approach the game. And now it's really game both turn. I mean, he did what he was supposed to do. We overpaid for him, but at the time we was overpaying for guys. Uh, he did what he was supposed to do. Congratulations and good luck next stop, wherever you go. You know what I'm saying? It's it's Willie Gay and Nick Bolton time. You know what I'm saying? I don't know who was upset. Because how did we all knew it was coming? You know what I'm saying? Like, and when Frank Clark gets released over the next two, three weeks or whatever, that's not going to be a shocker either. You know what I'm saying? Like. Come on, y'all. Pay attention. <laughs> Chris, I would have gave you gas money, Chris. I'm telling you. Oh, oh my God. About the fans, how he just talked about the fans. Right. Yeah, dog. Respectfully. Thank you. You got a ring with us. Bye. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck wherever you go, man. Good luck. You shouldn't be upset or shocked at what happened with Hitchens. That that was pretty much right. Yeah. It's like, man, shout out to um at Abstract Bravo. That's Fred. Uh, so, Fred. Check his mentions, Boogie. Check his mentions for that. Check on that Fred boogie. mentions. Okay. Yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> that was just wild to me. It was a Cowboys fan arguing with me about Hitchens. I'm like, bro. I don't know what y'all think y'all getting, man. But it, if it's going to make y'all a better team, if you think that, good luck, man. More power to you. Right. I think the Chiefs actually did him a favor by releasing him early so we can get out there 
and 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 work its way without it being a long drawn out process. We're not gonna hold you hostage, bro. You can go out there and do what you got to do. So, I think they showed them love by releasing them. And like you said, God don't make no mistakes. So, the job he was supposed to do, could he have done it better? Maybe. Absolutely. But I think he did absolutely whatever. I think he did teach Nick Nick Bolton and Willie Gay how to approach the game, how to prepare, how to play like a NFL linebacker. They just Boogie's like, no. Nah. <laughs> Boogie, you're not going for it. <laughs> they more athletic and they can do the things that he told them to do. You feel me? The same thing with Alex Smith teaching Ben how to be a pro. That don't mean that he taught him how to play the game. He just taught him how to approach the game, how to study, and all that good stuff. He gone anyway. So, what is, I mean, best of luck it's to him. Yeah. I met I met Anthony Hitch's wife. She was a very nice, very <laughs> lady. Nice lady. Shout out to the family. Good luck. <laughs> so, yeah. Chris. Chris is going in. <laughs> Chris is going in. Hey, Chris. My boy Chris, Chris is going in. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but look. Oh, hey, Boogie almost messed up the whole Grunhart interview because he said Tyron Matthew coming back. His face went from <laughs> No, yeah. I, was, I never heard anybody say they thought he was coming back yet. I was surprised. Boogie almost bit his in the lip, bro. He almost bit your lip off. Yeah. I'm gonna just leave it at that, man. Man, oh man. But, but before we go, man, before we go, man, uh, let's 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 get outside of football and the Chiefs for a sec, man. Um, have you guys watched? Um, you know, the Bel Air or the Kanye documentary. Have you guys caught up on that? Bel Air, yes. <laughs> Listen, I got to say something. I know I've heard a lot of good things about Bel Air being good, and that's all fine and well, and Will Smith's behind it, but I am still very hurt. I'm not ready to move on to this new Bel Air yet. I am so attached to the old one. I think that's where I'm at. But it's, I've heard it's really good and respect if it is, and I'm going to get to it. I just haven't yet, and that's it. Take your time, because when you get it, you go binge it. It's, it's really good. Okay, okay. I came into it with yeah. no expectations. So I, I don't want to spoil nothing, but yeah. It's good, but you have to completely separate Fresh Prince from Bel Air. You have to. Yeah. Because I went into the first episode on some Fresh Prince, and I was like, I hate this. This is trash. Why are you doing this? <laughs> so Fresh Prince is my favorite show ever. Like it's just so hard to think of it being anything else. Yeah. Anything different. When you separate it though, it, it ends up being a good show. But you very good. Got very to good. you have to separate it. If you do not separate it, you're not gonna like it. Uh, the okay. documentary, if you've ever been a fan of Kanye West, you're gonna love the documentary. It's amazing. Yeah, I gotta. I, I might watch oh. that tonight, man. What's man, that one perfect. on? It's on Netflix. Okay. Caleb, man. <laughs> Caleb, no. Caleb, that better not happen, Caleb. That better not happen. I hope it does. That better not happen, dog. I'm going to be so pissed. I'm going to be pissed that happens again, dog. <laughs> 
But yeah, that man. Kanye documentary is fire though, man. Uh, first two parts is dope. I'm interested to see how they're gonna do part three, man. Part three gonna be crazy. How many parts is it gonna be, Chuck? Do you know? Six. He says a trip. He says a trilogy. So I assume it's just a three part series. Oh, okay. but we'll yeah. see. Oh, okay. Man, I got I have so much to watch right now, and it's just like there's like an oversaturation of things I have to watch between that. Still haven't watched Ozark. Don't get on me yet. Don't talk to me about. It. I know. Don't. I, I knew that either. was coming. I, I knew that either. was coming from Boogie. <laughs> I knew that was coming from Boogie. Alone. I said, "Don't do it." <laughs> you are not alone. Well, no. <laughs> Did you watch Snowfall? I, I, still gotta, I, still, I still gotta watch that. I still gotta watch another season of that. I've never watched the episode. But I'm gonna binge watch it because now everybody's ahead. I mean, you know how they get. So I'm gonna wait till it finished, then I'm gonna start watching. I don't want to be caught up with everybody else. They spoiled it. You got four seasons. That's what I'm saying. You got plenty of seasons to catch up. You got plenty of time to catch up. I'm gonna have to like lock myself in my house. You watching yeah. Power? You watching Tommy right now? Yeah. Oh, it's way better than Snow. It's not better than Snowfall. Snowfall way better than that. So <laughs> really you guys watch HBO? We just call it the Tommy Show. We don't even call it by the right name. I don't even know the name. But just... He says the Tommy Show now. The Tommy, Tommy took that thing over. Okay. <laughs> Did you guys watch Peacemaker or do you watch Righteous Gemstones? Either one Peacemaker of those shows. Was hilarious. It was amazing. It's so good. <laughs> what, what, Peacemaker with John Cena. Yeah, it was great. Oh, no, I haven't seen that. It's on yeah, HBO. You should watch. Yeah, I heard John Cena. About that. He liked John Cena. Yeah, yeah Cena. I don't know if it's. I heard for Cena kids. was amazing. Oh, you said you don't know if it's. Okay. But I don't know, country. You think it's for kids? You think it's for kids? No, no. <laughs> okay, John Cena just in it. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not like, yeah. Don't, don't put. Yeah. It's, it's not you can't see me, John Cena. It's a whole different type of John Cena. No, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. It's man. HBO, so they show quite a bit too. So, oh, please yeah. don't let the boys watch <laughs> it. Like, yeah, he told me on the podcast to let you watch this, huh? <laughs> no, for anyone who has kids who's watching, don't watch Peacemaker. No, I feel like we should put that out there. <laughs> Dis so disclaimer. Funny. Yeah, exactly. It's disclaimer. Good. All right. All right, man. Take us out. Uh, yeah, let's get on out of here, y'all. Uh, that's that'll conclude. That'll conclude another episode of Kingdom Cast. Like, thank everybody for tuning in. Special shout out to Tim Grinhard once again for joining us. Um, doing great things with the Third Lawn Foundation, and you know, hope we keep keep it going, you know, for the rest of our lifetimes and for years to come. So, with that being said, don't forget to like, subscribe, share, and comment on your social media platforms. Until the next episode, we out of here, y'all. Peace, peace. Welcome back to Kingdom Cast. This is your host, Bad Luck Chuck. We back at it again with another episode of Kingdom Cast. Uh, we're going to get back on with the 2021 season in review uh, as we review the rest of the season, the regular season, in weeks 14 through 18. Uh, before we get into that, I'd like to introduce the panel for today. Top right-hand corner is my guy, Country. Bottom of the screen 
is our homegirl Kylie. So, so um, how you got? How you two doing on this um, gloomy Sunday afternoon? Man, I'm doing good. Doing good. Watching the combine, just chilling out, relaxing. You know, not bad at all. Not bad at all. I've been at Menards looking for new bathtubs. It's pretty fun. Okay. You saving big money though, like on the commercial. Yeah. <laughs> <Save> money, <Menard. laughs> hey, Man, I was I was there yesterday. I seen this whirlpool tub. Oh my god, it's so good. So <laughs> what's cracking, Slim? Slim, what up? What's up? What's up? What's up? All right, so before we get into um, you know, weeks fourteen through the rest of the regular season, we got some latest we got the latest news with Chiefs. Um Tyreek Hill he is due for a contract extension. Um, for what I've seen from this is a report from the Pro Football Network. We're not gonna get into that. But no. yeah, shout out to shout out to him though, man. He had a good game. But anyway, um <laughs> Ty, Tyreek Hill is due for an extension of four years of roughly eighty five million. Um, I'm seeing just a smidge over twenty one million per year as far as the extension on the table. Um, nothing's official. We still have yet to sign it, but that's the latest report in regards to the possible extension. So um, I want to hear your guys' thoughts on Tyreek Hill getting offered that specific extension. And do you guys agree with the amount and the years? So I'm going to be uh, – I think we'll be the first one to acknowledge Judge Reed 92 on Twitter who who was saying this three days ago maybe. He said it first. And then he kind of came with contract details and all that good stuff. He's a, I've talked to him. <laughs> and he's very confident in what he's saying. And, and it all points out now. You know what I'm saying? So he was like, yo, if I get this right, you got to have me on the show. So uh, <laughs> we might bring him in <laughs> for a couple of minutes, couple segments or whatever. But nah, he's he, he been uh, on point. And then uh, Matt Berteran. Uh, I hope I didn't pronounce that wrong. He came out confirmed, and then uh, oh, now seven. you have now you having a hard time pronouncing his name. Y'all want to get on me? <laughs> Matt V is what I usually call him. It's uh, easier that way. It's easier that way. Yeah. So um, it's been confirmed, and it looks like uh, I think it was last reported he was in Dubai for his birthday. Just had a birthday a couple of weeks ago, a couple of days ago. Happy birthday, Tyreek Hill. You know, uh, so I guess pretty soon we'll get it announced, like officially, and good deal, a lot of money. Uh, he's earned it. Mm-hmm. He um, he had that situation that he was innocent of, innocent, not guilty. People that keep bringing up that, um, so he got a low ball contract that was. Good for the team and good for business at the same time. And he played it out. He overexceeded it. And now he's about to get paid. And he deserves it. He deserves it. I'm sure Pat was like, take care of Tyreek. Please take care of Tyreek. Right. <laughs> so Travis got his money. Travis been getting money for years. He's had a couple contracts, a couple restructures, all that good stuff. So it was Time to pay Tyreek. It was time to pay Tyreek. And then it helps the team by getting a low cap number this year. And then mm-hmm. 
it'll probably balloon up next year or whatever. But our, our towards the end, um, that helps because I still think we need a veteran wide receiver. So there's still uh, rumors that we're interested in Mike Williams, Odell Beckham Jr., um, Juju, of course. I think Juju is going to happen. I think Juju is like the worst kept secret in the NFL right now. He's coming to Kansas City, right? Uh, do we all agree on that in the room right now? I mean, that feels like what the rumors are saying. That's kind of where everything's pointing towards. <laughs> where there's yeah. a lot of smoke, there's a lot of fire. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So there's a lot of smoke around Juju to the Chiefs. It probably should have happened last year. Uh, I think they get it right this year. So offense is offense after that. Um, outside of right tackle, are there any other needs on the on the offense? Excuse me. Not uh, starter needs. There's no more starter needs. It's like depth issues and all that stuff. So, right. <clears throat> yeah, I'm happy that they're paying Tyreek. Obviously, it was earned. I completely agree with that. Um, he was lowballed last time, so to see him get paid is awesome. He's earned it over the last few years. Um, he's, you know, 28 now, so starting to move into that veteran status. And I think uh, if we can grab someone out of free agency, so I would be good with Juju. I've personally noted that I'm a big Chris Godwin fan. I don't know if that's going to happen, but um, I would, would not mind seeing Godwin. I just think we need a bigger body guy down there. But, um, and then a little depth. So if we could draft a wide receiver in the top 100, not first, second round, but third round wide receiver, um, that could continue to learn. Um, Andy doesn't tend to put wide receivers in, rookie wide receivers in. So um, somebody, I mean, Tyreek being there again, obviously extending him, they can continue to learn under him. So I think that's another great thing. It's great for the team. It's great for Tyreek. I'm all for it. If they added, if they added Juju and re-signed Byron Pringle, Mm-hmm. Would you be satisfied with that wide receiver room? Because that would be Tyreek, Juju, Pringle, Hardman, Gordon, Powell. Uh, that's that's six right there. It may be uh, Darius Fountain, who mm-hmm. got flashed a little bit last year. Would you be satisfied with that wide receiver room? Yeah, you brought up Gordon, and I kind of forgot that he was coming back next year. And I think an offseason with the team is going to be – is going to go really far for him. So that adds more depth there. I um, I would be satisfied there. I still would like to draft one. I would still like to draft one just because um, you injuries. We've been lucky so far, but to get more depth in that wide receiver core would be – I'd be down with it. Yeah, like um... – yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have an issue, like, um, if it's uh, Tyree, Juju, and Pringle as the top three. Um, and as you mentioned, Josh Gordon, they – it's clear that – it's clear. It's already clear that the team is going to keep them and try to work them out through the offseason and see if we're going to get some improvements and get some better production out of him moving forward. So uh, it's been said before that it does take a minute to – uh, to to learn the Andy Reid offense as a wide receiver, so, um, so yeah, I wouldn't have an issue. And but but like Kylie said, um, drafted another wide receiver, I wouldn't have a problem with that either. This wide receiver class is deep, It's very deep this year. Um, and by and, and going by what we've been seeing throughout the scout combine, 
that's been proven well so far. So, and I think I think Hardman's going to improve a lot over the off season. I think we're going to the way that his trajectory was through the season. I think he's only going to improve third season for him. So, uh, and if he can get in a room and work with Pat more, like just get to your workouts and work with the team and bond and like build that, build on that relationship. I think we're going to see some bigger numbers out of him next season. And, and plus his money, Tom, his money, Tom. Right. So what does what the great Terrence Taylor say? Contract years undefeated. So we'll see. I think McCall is, he might splash in a big way this year, you know, but the problem with McCall is not flashing is consistency. Mm-hmm. So if he can build that over the last three, four games, he, he looked good. He looked good. He did have a reason yeah. to be upset in the playoffs because he he was open a lot. So it'd be interesting. Especially the second half. It'd be yeah. interesting. Uh, I wouldn't be mad at yeah. that wide receiver room. Uh, I wouldn't be mad bringing Pringle back because I don't think it's going to cost you a lot. But if there's a chance that you can upgrade that, I would be all for that too. Uh, Boogie says running back, right tackle, and wide receiver. Running back. How do you feel about drafting a running back or getting one in free agency? Well, everybody likes to keep too, um, right? Was his name Tyler Batty? Is his name oh, Tyler? Beatty, yeah, yeah, Beatty. Yeah, he's he's Beatty. good. He's good at the back. He's good at the backfield. He has great hands, uh, good soft hands. Um, he was very productive at Mizzou, and he's he's a guy that's um, pretty much been looked at as a sleeper uh, for what I've been seeing. So uh, I think Beatty, if he does get drafted and make the NFL, I think he will turn out to be a, a decent player. I don't know if he's going to be a star or anything, but. Uh, Beatty, he should be a productive player whenever he does get an opportunity. So, okay, so here's something I was thinking about, and I haven't shared it with with the group or the team, but I think it might be interesting if we start doing some polls on scenarios for the draft, and then we can bond it all together and make our Kingdom Cast mock draft. I think that that would be fun and 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 we are the most interactive podcast in the Chiefs kingdom. Don't nobody do what we do or like we do. So I think that will be fun. We'll, we'll talk about it later. But anyway, uh, go ahead, bro. What, what else happened this week? <laughs> yeah, so uh, to conclude uh, the Tyree Hill extension, so um, once this extension becomes official, um, he'll be an unrestricted free agent when he turns 33 instead of 29 currently. So um, I think that would be good enough. Like, my thing is this, like, once his extension becomes official uh, with Tyreek, man, I definitely want him to really, really be serious about, you know, getting better at refining his routes. I mean, I'm not saying he's not proving anything, but there has been times where he's he's rounding his routes and he's making himself easy to defend. And, like, once you have – once that speed is gone, but who knows, man, he might be like Daryl Green and continue to be – one of the fastest players in the league throughout his entire career. But once that speed is a little gone, you got to adjust your game a little bit. So that's what I'm curious about once Tyree hits, hits his 30s. Like, how's he going to adjust once that speed starts to decline a little bit? But isn't Tyreek fast enough he can lose three steps and just be a fast receiver? 
Yeah. 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 He's. I think. Everybody keeps saying he might lose a step. He's gonna lose a step. He can lose like three steps. <laughs> right. He's got a lot of speed. I'm just trying to extend the man. I'm just trying to extend the man's career. That's all. No, I just, yeah. I, just, I just think that people say, well, he's going to, he's in 30, he's going to lose his step and he's going to fall off a cliff, but he's still going to be <laughs> the fastest guy in the NFL. Like, he's that much ahead, in my opinion. Maybe I'm tripping, but. No, he's definitely got speed. I think for me, the thing I want to see him work on is his hands. I think that he had a few too many drop passes last year. I don't think his route, for me, I don't feel like his route running's really a problem because he's getting there and then I'm seeing drops. So work on your hands a little more. But other than that, he can lose three steps to your point country and and still be pretty fast. <laughs> Running circles around me, that's for sure. <laughs> all I gotta say all I gotta, all I gotta say is uh there's a reason why trap uh Patrick Mahomes is still uh leaving the pocket too much. That's all I'm saying. But anyway Oh, my bad. Go ahead, Kylie. Go oh, ahead. I was just going to say, I just think Patrick likes being out of the pocket. I don't know that that's always – I think he just feels more comfortable outside the pocket. But that's a, that maybe that's another conversation. Uh, we're going <laughs> to get into it. You got to get comfortable being with uncomfortable soon. I know. Welsh Welker? Really? Boogie? Boogie? All right. Is Boogie okay? <laughs> Welsh Welker. All right, man. All right. <laughs> I do. But, but anyway, he's way down on the list, but but go ahead. I I feel what you're saying, though. I think I I think I understand what you're saying. Yeah, but <laughs> on to the next subject, though. Um, in other NFL news, before we get back on the Chiefs related stuff, um, a big time receiver got released during the week, or is gonna get released, um, soon to be released. Um, Cowboys wide receiver Amari Cooper is soon to be a free agent or he's soon to be traded. And a lot of Chiefs Kingdom was like, yes, yes, bring him in, sign him, get that guy right now, or trade for him right now, and all this other stuff. Uh, my question to everybody in the panel is this, like, is he a good fit for this team? Because I feel like we don't need him. I just, to me, Amari Cooper, I've seen him check out of games too much. He's a great route runner. He's very talented. But if he's not getting targets early, he checks himself out of the game. And there's other games where I've seen him, go up against physical defensive backs. And if you get your hands on, you get physical with him, he checks out there too. So I've, I've seen Amari Cooper check himself out of games too much. Uh, um, I don't need that here. So, I mean, what do you guys think? I, I think, like, if, if I had to spend my money, it would be between uh, Robinson, uh, Williams, Cooper, you know, those type of echelon guys, and I don't think he's, like, high on my list if I had that group of guys to choose from. You know, so I think he fits. I think he fits, and and I think he's probably something that we, we would need. Um, But I just look at Mike Williams, and I might edge Mike Williams over him because of his red zone efficiency which is where we struggle. It's not the middle of the field we struggle. It's, it's in the red zone, in the 20s. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, but, you said, <laughs> but you said we're getting on his nerves. <laughs> but I, I think I would edge 
Mike Williams over him. If I was gonna spend some money, I'd rather spend it on a a, a corner actually, or or DN than spend it on a Cooper. But I, I wouldn't be mad at it. But man, no, I'm cool. I'm cool. Yeah, I don't know. My initial, like, as soon as I found out they were releasing him, my initial, I was like, oh my gosh, we gotta grab him. But um, upon more thought, I was just like, I don't know. I, to your point, like. Chuck, I feel like the attitude's not kind of what we want for the rest of the team. If he's checking out early, um, not getting the ball, because you're not going to be wide receiver one coming in to Kansas City. So um, I think there's other prospects out there. Mike Williams, I'm a big fan of. Do we think he's going to be available would be my concern. Are they, are they really going to let him go? And then um, I like Robinson, but he's – Voice said he's not a Nagy fan, if I can remember. So is that an option? I guess I'm asking. Do you guys think that those are realistic options, Mike Williams and Allen Robinson? I think Mike Williams is more so the realistic one. Um, Mike Williams, he, he's somebody that we definitely don't have on offense, like somebody that's a real threat outside the numbers, somebody that can uh, go up and get the ball. Like he don't have to necessarily have a step on somebody to win this matchup per se. So uh, Mike Williams, he's definitely somebody that, that would be perfect for our offense. Okay. To Boogie's question and point, winning does cure all. So would he check out of a Chiefs game? Because first of all, you're not going to get the, the bulk of the targets. We already know where option one and option two are. You're, you're a strong option three, and you might be by yourself in option three, too. But are you going to take – are you you're going to go from 12 to 7? Or are you going to be cool with that? Or like you said, is he going to check out? Mm -hmm. You can't afford you to check out on your little seven targets. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to be there, though. You know what I'm saying? And he said all that just to say this. Thank you, Boogie. Stop commenting. <laughs> right, right. I'm talking about we get on your nerves. Come on, dude. Boogie, aren't you in trouble anyway? What you doing on here anyway? <laughs> nah, I'm playing, bro. Oh, boy. But, um, yeah, but uh, Cooper, Cooper's not a bad receiver. Like, we're not going to say he's a bad receiver. You know what I'm saying? And, and, we, we can't question his heart, but like you said, winning does cure all. Uh, does it matter if you're winning or if you're going to the Super Bowl? I I might agree with that point, too. Mike Williams can't get separation, but he can. I can't fully. Uh, I don't know about that. I can't fully agree with that. Do, but do you think Andy Reid can scheme him open? That That's, that's the point. You know what I'm saying? I think Andy Reid can scheme him open. I don't know if he can create separation on his own. Does he have to? And he's good at jump balls. You trust That's your what I'm saying. Does he really need to? Does he really need to? When he's when I seen this dude just kill us constantly and jumping over defenders, getting the ball like he wins his matches. That ain't. <laughs> hey, listen. That's facts. That, that was on anybody. That was on anybody, bro. He, he does this repeatedly every year. <laughs> so. um, I think Mike Mike Williams being a little bit younger, and uh, I think, yeah, I, I think, I think Mike Williams' edge. 
It's close though. Yeah, right. Right now, my top three is probably it's probably him, Jarvis Landry, and Juju Smith Schuster as far as free agent receivers. That's probably my top three wish list right now. Will you say again, Mike Williams? Yeah, Mike Williams, Jarvis Landry, and I'm willing to hop on the Juju bandwagon. Oh, you're willing. Okay, that's so nice of you. <laughs> you're going to have to be pushed. Gosh, thank you. <laughs> I, you know what? I think, I think Juju is just a foregone conclusion. I think it's going to happen. I, I already think that's – we might as well just add him to the roster right now. I, I think that's just – I I don't know I don't know why I have that much confidence in it, but it just seems like it makes too much sense. So that means it's probably not gonna happen. But right now, Juju is on the roster for me. Uh, so who would you add to that? You had a Juju and a Mike Williams. It's like, oh my God! Like, why would you? We don't need all. No, that's too much. We're not getting both. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's either it's one. It's just one guy. But we got a lot of things right on this show, so it wouldn't shock me if Juju ends up being the chief. And that's just another thing we get right on the show, so. Maybe Paul. Paul who? Paul who, Chris? Paul? Who's Paul? <laughs> Paul. Paul. Uh, yeah, that's uh, – Who's Paul? <laughs> uh, he, he, must be, he must be responding to Paul in the oh, chat. He, oh, he's responding to Paul. Okay, I'm like, who is Paul? <laughs> I don't know any wide receivers named Paul. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Chuck my Beasley, though. Chuck, Chuck on Cole Beasley. What? Stop it. <laughs> that was going to be a joke no. or something? That was going to be a joke. I, I hope so. It was a joke. It was a joke. I'm sorry. Oh, scared me. Definitely a joke. <laughs> <laughs> it's a kid from Green Bay everybody wanted. Uh, he's not getting that much press. Uh, Marquez, uh, uh, Valdez Scanlon, or whatever his name is. Yeah, Scanlon, he, he's good at stretching the field, but his hands are in question. I mean, when he was healthy, he improved a little bit. He had like, he had two big games for the Packers this year, but yeah, I'm kind of out. I'm out of MVS, man. I'm cool. <laughs> I feel like there's going to be a lot of movement when we got two days out from the franchise tag deadline. Mm -hmm. The next two days are going to be interesting. I'm psyched for the next week between free agency about to start, franchise tag. So you, it's going to be interesting. You think they franchise tag? Okay, they're going to franchise tag Orlando Brown. Mm -hmm. Do you think mm -hmm. they work out a long-term deal before? Before well, that's a the expectation. That's the expectation. Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's why we brought him in. We would like to see him long-term. And I think throughout the season, he improved to prove his spot. Man, y'all uh, think Jackson uh, Mahomes alone, man. Why is he in the – why are we bringing him in the conversation? Because <laughs> they're going to be the talk of the town if they're doing TikToks together. That's why. Oh, he, he's moving to L.A. They probably won't even – Yeah, that's why I heard. He's out of here. He's trying to get out of KC. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess a big opportunity opened up for Jackson. So, you know, that's the case. I mean, good for him. Cool. Congratulations. But the main but the main news that we got to talk about that just happened today, um, as everyone knows, yesterday Tyron Matthew um, posted 
posted something on Twitter. He said, replacing me is easy. Getting them to do the same thing I did is damn near impossible. And then today, um, there's a report from Ian Rappaport saying that he's expected to test the free agent market. So so apparently, um, I'm guessing Tyron didn't get the offer that he likes, I assume, and he's going to test it out. So I've been here in New Orleans, I've been here in Dallas, but the latest I've heard is Baltimore. And I think Baltimore is probably in the running, you know, if it's not us. So, I mean, what do you guys think about the latest breaking news with Tyron Matthew as far as I'm testing the free agent market? So we do have a little insider knowledge. We're not going to go in depth with it. We're not going to burn our sources or whatever they say. But Tyron was offered a certain number from the Chiefs that, in my opinion, was not cool. You know what I'm saying? I didn't like it. And I'm assuming and I can verify he didn't like it either. So, um, He's probably going to test the free agent market, okay? So I see Baltimore is like the team to be afraid of because um, they're, they're a contender. They got a nice defense. They're getting a lot of pieces back that they missed last year because they were not healthy at all last year. So I would rank Baltimore. Uh, I would rank Dallas and maybe New Orleans. From what I'm hearing, he doesn't like whatever. Anyway, I don't know. But uh, so with the Ian Rappaport report saying a number, it kind of changes the things to where the number they offered him doesn't sound as bad as I thought it was when I before I heard the report. You feel what I'm saying? So I think the Chiefs, and it sounds crazy to say this, I think they might have offered him a fair deal. Now, I wonder are, are is he going to give the Chiefs the ability to match an offer he gets unless it's outrageous? You know what I'm saying? So, is he going to be allowed to test free agency? Well, he's going to be allowed to test free agency. I mean, that's his right. But is he going to be allowed to go out, get an offer, bring it back to the Chiefs and say, look, can you match this or can we meet in the middle here? Because I, obviously I think Tyron wants to be a Chief. I think Kansas City wants him to be a Chief at a certain price, at a certain range, at a certain tier. So this is the business part of football that people don't want to talk about or people don't like. So – I wonder how, how it's going to work itself out. Because in my eyes, I thought when I first heard the offer, I'm like, oh, yeah, he's gone. But now it seems like it just might be business, bro, and it might be more realistic than you think it is. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. we'll see. Cooler heads will prevail. He might end up being Baltimore and Tedder Roof off the league next year, and then we're looking like, dang, we should have kept Tyron. But yeah, I agree, Paul. Beast number is pretty set. Yeah. Okay. What you got on it, Kylie? So, um, I've always been a Tyrant fan, still am. I think he came in two, three years ago, and he definitely changed the attitude on the defense, and he was a leader. He's still a leader. Last season, um, I was looking it up, he had – 
60 solo tackles throughout the season. And I mean, that's still good. I mean, he wasn't the leading tackler and I did feel like he was around the play a lot. So I'm not going to be one of those people that's sitting there and say, oh, he wasn't pulling his weight um, as far as that's concerned. But it definitely feels like he's ready to move on. Um, and this is just strictly from what I see him right on Twitter. And I don't know if that's his way of playing hardball. Um, but I too feel like what we offered him is fair and what Beach offered him is fair. I don't think he's going, that Beach is going to change that number much. And I think that there's a lot of other things going on behind the scenes, possibly in this draft and in free agency that we aren't aware of that could let, have led them to coming to that number, obviously. So I don't want to be like, by Tyran, but at the same time, he's 30 years old. If we have an, the potential to grab someone younger who's going to have a serious impact on this defense, I mean, it's a business. Country, you said it. It's a business, and it sucks because you do. We grow attachment to these players. I've got a tire, or you know, I bought my mom a Tyran jersey. Like we grow an attachment to these players, and we watch them every week, and we root for them. And I'm still going to root for Tyran to be successful if he's not on the Chiefs except for when they're playing the Chiefs, um, because I think he he's a good player. But if it's time for us to part ways, it's time to part ways. I'm not going to be one of those fans who's like, no, please, please don't go, because this is that's what it is. This is the league, and this is how it works. And that's what I'm going yeah. to say. Oh, and, yeah, and to um, your point, I'm, to, to, to Kylie, I'm real quick, Chuck, to our point, as, as we're watching the combine, it's a – a lot of DBs, it's a lot of safeties, a lot of corners who probably are affecting the market right now. Uh, a lot of people probably not going to get the number they thought they were going to get. Wide receivers, we seen the wide receivers show out the other day. I think all the free agent numbers went went down a little bit. So the draft is playing a big part in these decisions. You know what I'm saying? So, but hey, Paul, you nailed it. Strictly business. It's business. He is. He 100% is. And, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead, Chuck. I could go on. Oh, my God. <laughs> Get myself in trouble. <laughs> You're good. Um, <laughs> my, my thing is this. Like, I'm at a point where, like, if we bring him back, cool. If we don't, cool. Like, I, I think Tyron, whatever happens, I think Tyron for what he's done here, you know, he became a Super Bowl champion here, went to Super Bowls, made two all-pro teams. Um, like you guys said, he was the leader of the defense. Um, he was a Swiss Army knife, uh, covered up a lot of holes that we do have on the defense. Uh, he played the deep third. He played slot. You know, he just he just played wherever um, he was asked to play, and he contributed in a big way. Um, was this past year kind of a down year? Yeah, it was a little bit, but at the end of the day, man, like, um, at this point, at 30 years old, I mean, it's kind of, you kind of at a crossroads right there, you know, of whether you want to bring him back or not, just because he is in that 30, 30 range now. And for, you know, a safety of that caliber, you know, that is getting up there in age. So, um, well, I mean, I'm with, I'm with either decision either way. That's just where I'm at with it right now. Well, and if we were going to do a three-year deal, I mean, what he's this 30 then 31 then 32 and 33 i mean 
I don't know. I also feel like they made it very clear that they were going to make very strong moves in the offseason for the defense. And it takes making these hard decisions to see the results you want. And this could, I'm not saying that Iran leaving would be a good thing, but we could look back next season and see these other young bucks come up and step up as a true leader. And that's what we need. And I know that that's what we'd be lacking without Tyran, but maybe there's leadership in Nick Bolton that we just haven't seen yet. Maybe there's leadership in Willie Gay that we haven't seen yet. Maybe there's a young, hungry draft pick out there that's an actual natural born leader. So I just think, I think this will open the door for a lot of opportunity. And it's, we had a really, we struggled last year on defense and we needed to make some, mix things up. Um, yeah. Fair warning to fans. If we if we move on from Tyron or and Dan and a lot of guys that contributed to our Super Bowl win, give the new guys a chance before you just absolutely pile on them and say they're trash and they suck and these can't draft. You can't do it. Like give them a little bit of time, please. <laughs> Cause you know how we are. We we are in are in winning mode right now, but we're actually going through a kind of a little rebuild on defense. Actually, a major rebuild on defense, to be honest. Yeah. We got to mm-hmm. get these people, we got to get beach, we got to get these players a little bit of time. It could be a couple weeks or whatever, and then you can just let loose. But give them some time, man. Let them work it out. It's not going to be pretty. It might not come together until week 12. You know what I'm saying, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But just give them a chance, man. Don't don't just go in there and kill them just off because they gave up a touchdown. Because it's gonna happen regardless anyway. But mm-hmm. just give these people a chance because we're going through the people that we've grown to love over these past three, four years, five years, or whatever. Some of those guys are gonna be leaving. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like is is. This is the business. This is the business. And Chris is right. It's time for Snead, Thornhill. They got to step up. They got to be more vocal on and off the field. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. it's time. Yeah. I And I trust Brett Beach more than I trust some of my closest friends. So, you know, I think he's got – he might have a little thing up his sleeve. So, have faith. Have faith, guys. Aggressive beach is the best beach. Yeah. Yeah. Aggressive beach. He's a wizard. I was listening to some of his interviews. He knows exactly what to say, what not to say. And I know that's what they're trained to do, but I may have developed a small crush on Brett Beach over the last week and just listening to everything he had to say. Quick thing on Brett Beach, though. This is hilarious, though. Um, Tix Pelesh did something where they had a meet and greet with Brett Beach. I don't know how I won, but I won. I was there. Uh, Darkness was there. Casey Gat was there. Uh, a couple other people that's uh, Twitter famous like us. Um, Beach was incredible. Like he he was doing a one on one with us and answering questions, and he just lit up. Like he was just. I believed everything he said. You know what I'm saying? And and he came through with a hell of a draft. This is a draft when they got Thornhill, uh, Saunders, and. Uh, who else did they get that draft? When they got Thornhill, whenever. But I mean, he's incredible, very engaging, and and very believable. You know what I'm saying? And 
he lit up when he talked about horse racing, though. I think he liked horse racing more than he liked football, which is really, yeah. <laughs> he liked yeah. horse racing. Oh my god! And he, he just went into this whole thing about horse racing, but he really likes horse racing. So, <laughs> but I believe Beach, man. You gotta and Beach, we trust. You know, because that's right. I asked the question this week, and I want to ask our fans and all that stuff, and we'll talk about it later. How many more good drafts does he have to do before we stop talking about? Sub leagues. <laughs> <laughs> no, last year he. I felt like last year's draft was great, and I feel like he's improved each each draft. So I'm excited to see what he does. I trust him. Need a bear or one? He had something to say. Huh. Like another thing about Beach. <laughs> you know, Lenny's listening One to more to our show. Lenny's listening <laughs> to tribute to our show. So, yeah. But what what was your point though, Country? Before we get interrupted, I I, I just that I like aggressive Beach, and uh, mm -hmm. he's very believable when he talks. He's he's good in front of the mic. Um, he's good in saying something and absolutely saying nothing which I think he got from Andy Reid. But I think there's a sliver of truth in between everything he says. I don't think he's lying to me. I think you just got to pull out the truth of the statement that he said. Like, I, we like Tyron. Tyron likes us. I think that's true. But we're going to do what's best for business. I think that's also true. You know what I'm saying? Which is saying... I, I would love to have Tyron back. I don't think it makes business sense. Or I cut hits because it was good business, and if I bring him back, it's going to be at a lower number, but it's going to be good for business. It's always about the business. You know what I'm saying? So, mm -hmm. Yeah, and like you guys mentioned earlier, um, be careful uh, draft, class is, draft class is full of um, – Deep, good, a good solid defensive backs, and then the free agent list is pretty solid with defensive backs too. So, we'll see what Brayfish has up his sleeve, man. What do we? Uh, what do you guys make of uh, J.C. Jackson? I would love, I would love to have him, um, as long as, um, as long as our pass rush is addressed. So, I'm not saying it got to be a free agent, but you know, Beach got to hit on whether Beach got to hit on the draft or the free agency. You know, whatever it takes. So hey, this is a dream show. We need a cornerback, we need a defensive line guy, and we need to talk about D-line or secondary. Cause they definitely help each other. Which one makes because you got a good D-line, your secondary doesn't have to be as good as you think it has to be. But if you got a bad secondary, your defensive line doesn't have to be as good as you. You know what I'm saying? Like they help each other, but who – it's like a tug of war. Like, who helps who the most? Does a great D-line make a secondary even better? Or does a great secondary make a D-line? Because if I can hold a quarterback down for four seconds, you should be able to get to the quarterback. You should be able to get to the quarterback, right? Mm -hmm. if, if I can get to the quarterback in four seconds, you should be able to hold receivers for four seconds. You feel what I'm saying? Like, what benefits more? I, I just want to really have that conversation because 
we had that conversation on the timeline a couple of times. We never really got answers, you know. Uh, Paul, as as I think, I think Ward, Lil Mooney, I think, I think Ward is gone, man. I think he played himself out of Kansas City. You think so? You think so? That's why I was going to ask: Is do we think that we're freeing up money for to keep Ward by offering Tyran maybe not as much as he thinks he should get? That might sound like an interesting point. Maybe, maybe, maybe they see more in Ward than they do for Matthew. I don't know. My thing is this: we could do better than Charveris Ward, man. We really can. I'm just gonna be honest right there. Okay. I mean, thank you for thank you for your services, Charveris. You trying to future endeavor, uh, Moni, man. Let's dream here. Okay, so we get J.C. Jackson. You said this is a dreaming podcast, right? Okay, we get J.C. Mm-hmm. Jackson, and then we draft to an edge and two defensive backs. And then re-sign Ingram. Okay, so we sign Jackson, right? Sign Jackson. We sign Ingram. Okay. And then we draft an edge and two defensive backs, or two edge and a defensive back. Um, that's, a, that's a good start. Um, I think we do – we need to address the uh, linebacker depth, too. That's that's also another yeah, thing. we got to get linebackers. We got to address We need another linebacker. I, I, I know Chuck has a problem with Ben Neiman. I also do not want to see Ben Neiman. Uh, we, we can upgrade there. I think Ben Neiman is smart. I think he's a solid player, but we need to get better there and more athletic. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, we do need a linebacker, maybe two. If he want to be a special teamer, cool, but I'm tired of this. Uh, well, Ben Neiman is the green dot. And all the, listen, listen, um, Nick Bolton and Willie Gay, they got, they got another offseason. I mean – they can get better at learning the scheme and all that. I think they can eventually become a green dot guys um, starting this year. So that's just me. They're kind of going to have to be because we're running out of defensive players. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. The more we talk about this, the more I'm like, we just get a wide receiver in free agency and don't draft one because we have so many defensive needs. Yeah. Now, Patrick Mahomes, I, um, I heard – I mean, I seen an article saying that he he wants a veteran wide receiver uh, rather than the Chiefs draft a receiver. I mean, that's what I heard. But you know, of course, Patrick, man, Patrick, you just a quarterback dog. You're not an assistant GM or anything. But I get where he's coming from. So you want somebody that can trust. Pat is the assistant GM on offense. Yes, yes, he has input, but dude, dude, let Brady do his job, man. Look, we wouldn't have Clyde if it weren't for Pat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, yeah, we know some people, we know how some people feel about Clyde currently. So, <laughs> so yeah, man, Um, that's all the news. That's all the latest news with the Chiefs, man. Let's get on to uh, week 14, man, of this uh, recap. Man. Look, neither one of those cats gonna be there, Kevin. Them cats gonna be gone. We got to trade up. We could trade we up. Trade up. We got <laughs> picks. We got picks. Yeah, we got plenty of third rounders. So I, 
I just want somebody named Sauce on my team. <laughs> What's the other dude's name? Smoke Monday? I just want them two guys. Yeah, on Smoke Monday or something like it's that? Great. It's a great name, yeah. Great name. Smoke, smoke and Sauce. That fits perfectly, you know, because we're the barbecue capital of the world, so. But <laughs> that's perfect. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway man, on the week on the week fourteen, uh, the Raiders they come back they come at the Arrowhead and they do something that they should have never done. Uh, they had the little so called meeting pregame at the fifty yard line on our logo, getting hyped and stuff. And then you know Patrick in the game was waiting down the tunnel. They saw that noise going on and. They took it out on the Raiders, and it was ugly from the jump. Uh, you know, I know early on, Frank Clark and Frank – actually, uh, Jaron Reed uh, made the first big play of the game. He forced a fumble, and Mike Hughes picked it up, returned it for six. Literally the first play of the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally the first play of the game. <laughs> we took it to the crib on him. And I, and I actually made that call, actually. I actually said that uh, the Chiefs are going to get a fumble recovery touchdown. On the first possession, so that was nailed fun. It. That was fun yeah. to make to nail that call. So after that, yeah, uh, Frank Clark and Melvin Ingram they got him on the party on the next possession, and then uh, the offense just clicked, man. Like it was, it was really just a slaughterhouse from the beginning. Um, you know, Pat Patrick doing his thing. Um, you know, typical him. Travis Kelsey got that strong Wi-Fi still. Um, I know Clyde Edwards Hilaire. He scored on a uh, pitch. They made it like twenty-one nothing. Uh, it was one of those little um, option pitches or whatever. Not necessarily an option pitch, but it was like a misdirection. Then Patrick uh, tossed it out to him with his left hand or whatever. So, but other than that, man, it was just a dominating performance, man. I really don't have much from this game. Like the defensive line just balled out and had Derek Carr running for his life, basically. So, man, so, I don't know. I just remember feeling still like. Well, we can beat the Raiders, and we've been doing well. But like, I feel like there were still moments of, are we just this good against the Raiders, or are we really clicking again? But I don't have much else to add from this game. I hate the Raiders, but everybody does. So yeah, that's yeah it, was cool. just, it was just an ass kicking from pillar to post. Mm-hmm. It, it was from the beginning. To the end. They kind of let up at the end, but yeah, it wasn't even close. The Raiders, the Raiders did digress this year against us. Last year, they kind of shocked us and beat us at the little victory lap. And I think they just bought them four more years of uh, getting taken L. So it's going to be a while for, I don't know, Joshua Daniels might put them in a position to compete, but yeah, that victory lap was a dumb move. And, and stomping on the logo was probably worse. That probably was a worse move than the victory lap. And instantly they were down seven. And then it was a it was a route. It was it was it. That was it. Next game. <laughs> dog, we had a th- dog, we was up 35 to 3 at halftime. That's how bad it got. And then like the big highlight of the game was in the beginning of the third quarter, Patrick Mahomes rolls out to his left. Those across the field, Tyreek Hill catches the ball for a big play. And that's how you knew, like, look, man, the Raiders don't have a chance in hell. <laughs> After that play, right. I was like, all right, man, we got the game, bro. 
But yeah, um, the next game though, week fifteen, Thursday night, classic. Probably, probably, arguably, you can arguably say that this was the best game of the year mm-hmm. in the NFL. Uh, we go into LA, and we had to deal with um, COVID. We had to deal with COVID that week because uh, Chris That's Jones right. was out. Mm-hmm. Um, Charvarius Ward, he played. I mean, he was sick, but he played. And we, I think we had a few other guys missing too. Was it Frank Clark out too? I think it was somebody else on our D line that was out. I can't remember. No. Uh, or was it a Willie? Or, or was it Willie, Willie Gay? Gay? Yeah, Willie, Willie Gay, was Gay didn't play, did he? I don't was feel like he played. played. Okay. Willie Gay never played against the Chargers this year. Paul. That's right. <laughs> yeah, we was he missing, didn't play. We were missing a we were missing a few guys, but you know we somehow overcame it, man. Um, you know, beginning of the game, uh, the Chargers had the ball. Uh, they was driving down the field, and they was looking like they was about to score a touchdown. Um, it was an unfortunate injury with uh, Donald Parham. He, we had to see him get carried out on the stretcher. And, mm-hmm. like, the cameras – I remember the cameras being super close to this dude. I'm like, why are the cameras super close to this guy? And he just he just froze. You know what I mean? Like, we didn't need to see all that, man. That was just unnecessary by Fox, man. We didn't, we didn't need to see all that. We only see that man just paralyzed like that. But – he wasn't, but good thing he wasn't paralyzed in the end. You know, he had a. Yeah, how's he doing these days? We had like one update, but he's cool. He's yeah, cool. He got, yeah, he, he, yeah, he got up and walked and everything. So. Oh, okay, cool. Um, I don't know. I don't know how he's gonna be football wise, but he did get out the hospital on his own power. So. So yeah, but yeah, Paul, that was real scary. But um. Dave, the Chargers, man, what killed me is that this dude, Brandon Staley, man, I don't know why he thought this was Madden. Like, this dude kept trying to go for it. He kept trying to disrespect our defense. Like, this dude went for it on three different occasions throughout the course of the game. And I feel like if he would have just took his points, we probably lose that game, to be honest, because uh, the defense did the best they could, but the key players that we was missing, man, it was it was just difficult. Like they 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 really didn't have an issue moving the ball, and that's in spite of um us keeping Mike Williams in check actually for the first mm-hmm. time in a long time. It was mainly just um Austin Eckler. It was mainly just dumping out the Austin Eckler, uh, finding Keenan Allen here and there. So yeah, this was. This was one of those, this was like the game for me that I was like, we're back. Like, this is it. Like, I felt so good after this game. I was on a high. I think I rewatched that fourth quarter <laughs> about the same amount of times I rewatched the Bills Chiefs game, uh, playoff game. But it was just, they were clicking towards down the field and towards the end of the game. And it was a great game. And I think I didn't have a voice the last, like the next four or five days after that. I was all hung over at work the next day, but it was totally worth it. I was feeling good. <laughs> and those yeah. are facts right there. I was just, yeah. Yeah, we kind of remember that. Yeah. So, at least, yeah. It was definitely the game of the year. It was, uh, it was like uh, tight for the first three quarters, and then the fourth quarter, it was just like, all right, we throwing everything out the window right now. We're throwing the kitchen sink at each other. And it was just back and forth, scored what it was like 25 points, like back and forth. Like it was crazy. It was a, a hell of a game. Defense showed up. 
that first series for the Chargers was a preview of what they were going to do all afternoon, all night. They kept going for it. They kept going for it. They kept going for it. They were not getting points out of these. Uh, they weren't getting points out of it. And and it just came back to haunt them. And uh, we went to overtime and boom, Travis Kelsey, <laughs> unbelievable. And game so over. Light. That was such a light. great play. Like, so, <laughs> so good. Two, and he had two of them. He had one mm -hmm. in the fourth quarter that was a long, what, 69 yards or whatever. Did that mm -hmm. tie the game? Did that tie the game? Yeah, yeah, Trevor, yeah, they tied they tied the game. It, it was a tie the game and a win the game in overtime. Okay, so yeah. like so this game, man, like a bunch of numbers were put up. Like if you were a fantasy football head, I think this was the week that fantasy football playoffs started. Like if you had Tyree Kill or Travis Kelsey on your team, like <laughs> you was put in good position to start the week. Cause those dudes put up some generational numbers that night. Uh, you talk about Tra Travis Kelsey. He had, I think, both of them guys went over 150, and uh, I think it was the first time in NFL history two receivers, uh, a wide receiver and a tight end, went for 150 yards and they scored like a touchdown each at least. It was some ridiculous stat. So, oh, Pat threw the worst interception of his career, though. That that was so terrible. The one he threw. Uh, yeah, Towards in the red zone. Ew, oh my God! Like, what is he doing? And, he had two and, terrible throws in the red zone. Because he because yeah. that fourth down, that that fourth down. Um, I think it was late in the third quarter. I want to say on that fourth down, um, uh, when he had McCall Harmon wide open, um, you know, wide open in the end zone or whatever. Uh, he threw a he threw the ball like it was groundhog day or something. Like he saw a groundhog come up off the turf. <laughs> <laughs> That's how bad it was. I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, wow, that dude really, that ball really slipped out of his hands like that. Mm. You put that game up there. It's up there with the Rams, the Rams Monday night game. It's up there with uh, Chargers in Mexico City. That was a hell of a game. It, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's up there. It's definitely a, a game that you can go back and rewatch. <laughs> I might go do that after this. He right. threw worse than duck. It was worse than a duck. It was a goose. I don't, I don't know what he was. It, was. it was just like he was so wide open that Pat was just like, he's too wide open. He just threw it right in the ground. But that fourth quarter was worth it because yeah. the 18 unanswered points or whatever, whatever happened was amazing. And Travis put us on his back and carried us, and we needed this game. That's oh my God, yeah. game. Yeah, so it was a desperation game. They needed that game to win the AFC West, and and yeah, great game though. If you want to rewatch that, I would definitely invite you to rewatch that game anytime. It's worth it. I remember he threw that interception, and I was like, "Does he not trust Hardman?" Like, you know, it was like he looked at him and he was like, I don't want to throw it to you, but I got to throw it to you. But like, there was so much, like, I couldn't, he couldn't decide. That's kind of where I was like, I just don't think he trusts Hardman yet. And then they slowly started figuring it out. The pump fake, it was just so, it was so bad. It was just, did he just lose the ball? I, I don't know what, 
and he really didn't explain it either. He just was like, that's on me. Like, yeah, it's on you, but why did you do that? Right. Terrible. Um, hell of a game, though. That fourth, fourth quarter in overtime, edge of your seat, action pack, is better than the Batman. Wait, so we can't talk about that yet. Okay. Yeah, yeah, definitely can't talk about that yet. I definitely got to watch that before we get, get into that. So, but yeah, man, but it also showed that um, Justin Herbert, he's going to be tough, man. He's going to be tough mm-hmm. for years to come. Like Mahomes and Herbert, that's going to be, that's going to be a hell of a quarterback showdown for years to come, mm-hmm. wherever those two go at it. Twice so, a year. this brings up his question. That's why. I don't think A-Rod is coming to Denver. There's too many quarterbacks in the AFC. It's too much competition. It's too cutthroat. Stay where you're at. You can easily win your division, and you can be completing in the playoffs, but Chuck says you don't do good in the playoffs anyway, so. <laughs> it's facts. Um, Man, I think that I completely agree with you, though. Like, his ego is too big for the AFC West. That's just my opinion. Said what I said. And now Sean Watson may come to Denver, and and that's going to be something to keep an eye on, definitely. But if they bring yeah. Jim P, then, then they're not serious about winning anyway, so it don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> the, Broncos, oh. the Broncos and the Raiders can just keep getting in their own way for all that <laughs> they care. Right. Yeah. Let's deal with the Chargers. That's it. Paul, yeah, I heard Batman was great though, bro. I did hear that. But forget Aaron, forget Aaron Rodgers, man. This dude, Aaron Rodgers, man, he's such an attention whore, dog. Like all these little delays and stuff. Like, look, this go, this may, this this may end up with him staying with Green Bay another year, man. After doing all this, the last dance nonsense, man. Like he just doing different stuff to try to keep himself relevant in the news, man. That's all it is. I know. Comes to the podium. I have nothing new to say. I'm still deciding. <laughs> like I don't know. I feel like he's just. We're all waiting for no news. Hey, like, as much flack as y'all gave LeBron over the decision, he didn't do this. He didn't drag it on for eight weeks in the whole off season, and uh, I really like it. I'm truly torn. Like all that stupid stuff. He didn't do that. So give him some. Respect on that, Chuck. Listen, I already said he did LeBron James with football. I already said that. So <laughs> it is what it is, man. But on to uh week 16 after that huge win. Uh we get we get Steelers, we get the course of Big Big coming here, and this game wasn't close. Like the Steelers, you know, they are historic franchise. They they arguably or they're one of the best franchises in NFL history, but you know, this was just um, the last bit that you was going to see of Ben Roethlisberger, and we straight dominated from the get-go. Like, this was uh, Byron Pringle's career game because Byron Pringle, he found the end zone twice in this game. Uh, this is when Byron Pringle was finally starting to come to his own in his offense mm-hmm. because we've known, for this, we've known that this guy has the ability to get open. It was uh, just a matter of um, if he was going to get opportunities to actually make plays and be a little more consistent. And I think this is when Pringle was starting to uh, find his rhythm and get his groove going. But I will yeah. say that the one guy that did dominate 
uh, was uh, Deontay Johnson. But other than that, man, still has had no chance, man. Uh, we saw Frank Clark uh, get a sack in this game. Uh, we saw a defensive line get after it. Um, Patrick Mahomes was, you know, finding the rhythm with his guys. Uh, this was the game that um, Tyreek Hill, um, he was originally on the COVID list, uh, didn't practice all week. Yep. He came back, um, got involved early on the first possession, and then he didn't get involved the rest of the game because the, the guy was so winded for just not, from just not practicing and being under health protocol and everything. So it really affected him out there. But well, the Chiefs obviously yeah. didn't skip a beat. Just his presence out there helped open things up for the offense anyway. Mm-hmm. So. Well, and Kelsey was out too, right? This was like yeah, the Kelsey whole, was actually the out. Whole thing. Yeah, the whole yeah, so, team was had had COVID. <laughs> I felt like this was that game. Yeah, so Noah Gray started, and um, Harrison mm-hmm. Bucker was out too. So we had a replacement kicker for one week, and he did and all Townsend. right. Townsend was it Townsend out? No. Oh, that's uh, when we lost Niang too. We were out like a ton of people were. Chuck Tooney ended up playing a uh, left tackle by the end of the game, which was yeah, it was crazy. And we no, still that would be the next week. That'll be the next. That would be the next week. Um, but I do remember uh, Niang did get hurt, and uh, Andrew Wiley what? ended up being the guy. Yeah, it was the Bengals game, but it was before the game, right? Yeah, that was before the game. Oh, so is this the game Orlando Brown missed? Probably. No, no, Orlando Brown. No, Orlando Brown played this game, bro. Didn't we have it like ten just, players out? Mm. Yeah, it, it was crazy. It was crazy. Like between those two weeks with the Chargers and Steelers, we had a we had a lot of guys out. Wait a minute. We had over... Yeah. Okay, maybe I'm tripping in. I'm sorry. Go ahead. This is the COVID yeah, you game. You are tripping. I definitely remember Orlando Brown playing this game. It was the next game, fam. Okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So, but but anyway, uh, Clyde, but but Clyde Edwards Hilaire had a nice highlight for the first touchdown. He bulldozed two Steelers defenders on his way to the end zone. So I, I I got pretty hype off of that. I was like, yeah, Clyde, let's go, man. People been talking about you all week. <laughs> Didn't he get hurt this game? Did he get hurt again? Am uh, I thinking Clyde? of a? Di- no, uh, I don't think so. I don't know. I, I could be thinking of it. I don't know. Anyway, I can't remember. The boy we, get hurt we, so much. Who knows? <laughs> we beat we beat their ass. That's what I know. 30, 36 to 10, I think, was the finals score of that game. Yep, yeah, straight ass whipping. It didn't matter. What's our record at this point? We are. This is like we're in our nine. This is what I win our uh, win streak. We still haven't lost. I don't know. Yeah, we're what, 11 and 4 this time? No. Because we oh. have two games left 12 and 4. Yeah, no. you gotta remember it's it's an eighteen week season, so um, we'll be playing we're, seventeen games. So that would be our fifteen. Yep, eleven and four. We'll okay. Eleven and four after this game. So, Kyle, you were right. That's when he hurt his shoulder. So he did get okay. I couldn't remember. Okay. I just remember, and then he was out a few weeks, and then through the playoffs, and it was McKinnon season. But we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, he, he eventually did come back in the playoffs, though. But yeah, what, like you said, we'll get into that. Um, but yeah, um, despite us having to deal with our COVID situations in the past two weeks, we was over, able to overcome that. Uh, we're now 11 and four and yeah, let's go ahead and talk about this Bengals game. 
yeah, we talked about this game so <laughs> many times. <laughs> it's ridiculous, man. Like, we have not won in Cincinnati in a long time, man. And it looked like our losing streak was going to end up in Cincinnati. Uh, we was clicking on all cylinders. Like, their defense had no answer for us. Um, it looked like we was just about to roll, man. Like, we was about to just crash their party because – you know, Cincinnati had the AFC North on the line. They had to uh, be desperate and try to win that game to get in the playoffs or whatever. And, like, just from the get-go, man, like, they couldn't stop. They couldn't stop Patrick. They couldn't stop Daryl Williams. Daryl Williams was going off in the first half. Um, you know, Tyreek Hill had opportunities. You know, like, he was getting something going. But, you know, right <laughs> before the half, he dropped a big play uh, that could have Put, get, they could have gave us a 30 burger basically right before the half. Um, this, ugh, <laughs> this game is so like this is the definition of foreshadowing. It's the exact same. We see it four weeks later, five weeks later. Mm -hmm. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's all annoying, man. This was an annoying ass game. I'm sorry. This was very it annoying. Still it still is. Because despite all that, man, like despite Jamar Chase going off in the first half, um, I figured after the after what he did in the first half, like, okay, we're gonna start doubling him, we're gonna start taking him <laughs> away. But unfortunately in the second half, that was not the case. That was not the case whatsoever. We still let this man get one on one matchups. Um, but along the way, we did have a couple of third down stops and the rest would cause some horrible penalties, man. Like and the funny thing about this game is that that ref, Ron Torbert, he was not supposed to be the official of that game. That was supposed to be John Hussey, but he got replaced at the last minute. And, you know, Ron Torbert was calling a bunch of BS this game. And I still don't like that dude. I still got beef with him, man. Um, they called a controversial penalty with Rashad Fenton, I felt mm -hmm. like. And then they called a controversial pen penalty with Snead. And, and they said uh, Snead grabbed the face mask, but he grabbed dude's shoulder pad. And I'm like, it, it was just ridiculous, man. They kept their drives alive, man. Like the refs, I feel like the refs carried them a bit in this game, too. Yeah, I'm just frustrated with the um, lack of adjustments that the defense made or that Spags made. That was like my yeah. big takeaway from this game. Um, and then of course they just kept getting burned. But uh, the thing is, like, I felt like Ward did what he could do. Um, Spags, it felt like they were just kind of tying one hand behind his back. They were like, "Go get him!" <laughs> right. Just let them. You can't. Just let them out the drive. Just let them out the drive, man. And like, um, the Chiefs office only got the ball three times in the second half. Isn't that what happened? Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like too eerily similar to even we don't even need to talk it's about the, the next same time. game it's literally the same game we'll just say see week 17 next yeah. to... <laughs> oh my goodness we we'll back to week 17 <laughs> and asterisk next to it like whatever god this game sucks paul i do agree in the sense that chase was getting away with some push-offs like Chase was getting away with some push-offs this season. Like, as good as he was, yeah. he did get away with some push-offs, man. All season long. It, 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 it was just crazy. Was next game. <laughs> right. <laughs> Coach, like, I'm not even going to talk about it. 
country, like I'm not even gonna talk about it, man. There's nothing to talk about, and we covered it in depth. Go back and look at the podcast. Uh, uh, Denver was next, final game of the season. Yeah, fi- yeah final regular season game. Uh, Denver. We we Jared played our C game, game, man. Yeah, we played our C game, man, because we came to this game like, all right, um, we don't, we really not trying to show much. We trying to be a little bit vanilla before the playoffs, but we still gonna win this game regardless. And uh, that was the case here. <laughs> a lot of it. <laughs> no. Jesus Christ. <laughs> this dude Drew Locke, man. This dude Drew Locke was taking off on us, man. <laughs> man, wasn't this the garbage field? Oh have. gosh, that field was so trash. And um Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill barely even played this game. Um, I think he oh, yeah. um because country we even mentioned how Orlando Brown got hurt in pregame once before that Bengals game. That was the game that Joe Tooney played left tackle. Yeah, and we lost but this but yeah, but in this game, uh Tyreek Hill got injured in warm-ups. And he was only in the game on like key third downs or like third and short, basically, or fourth and short. Yeah, yeah. And, um, pop up again. Yeah, it was it was it was tough. But Tyreek Hill did make some key plays when um, he was called upon. Um, but early in the game, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, Paul. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't want to get rid of Drew Locke. Right, right. Keep Drew Locke. Keep him. You need him. Yeah, Denver. Start him another year. Oh, <laughs> but God. yeah, that field was so garbage. That field was so damn garbage, man. Um, mm-hmm. I know the opening drive. Uh, Travis Kelsey, uh, got a touchdown. You know, he he usually kills the Broncos in prime time, or just kills them in general. And then um, and then you remember we remember we just mentioned about how that field was so terrible. Harrison Bucker slipped on the kickoff, and the ball ended up being the yeah. swift kick. And Denver got to the 35-yard line to start out. Um, but, yeah, in this game, man, um, we was able to make them uh, punt the ball and everything. Uh, but, unfortunately, we got a penalty, kept their drive alive, and then, you know, Drew Locke went on ahead and shut off his athletic ability, got two touchdowns running. But in the end, throughout the course of the game, the Chiefs just had an idea that we're going to eventually win this ball game. And that's what they did. Um, this game is about touch. one play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the most amazing plays. The reason that we got Melvin Ingram. Melvin Ingram blast through the line. Blast through Melvin yes, Gordon. Sir. Yes, sir. He meets um, Drew Locke. And the football all at the same time. Nick Bolton picks up a fumble, and I thought he was gonna fall before he houses it. You guys go stumble and blow it. <laughs> I it was, was it eighty nine yards? I want to say. Oh, yeah, he ran. He ran a long distance. I think that's about right. Didn't he break a record? Was it? No. The longest. He definitely. Longest. I don't know. He definitely was on the oxygen tank on the side. Blows <laughs> 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 up the entire side of the line. Blows uh, up the running back who attempted, I don't know what he was trying to do, but he got blew up too on the way. Blows up Drew Locke. 
And and the funny thing is, twenty four and fifty four, they both they're both dark skinned. They both have dreams. I didn't know yeah. who picked the ball up until later, but it was just like go 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 go, and then you could tell he was getting tired. But it was nobody around. Um, they they held Drew Lock off for the longest. Was Drew Lock like the only person chasing him? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. At the end, yeah. Then Drew Lock kind of knew. Like Drew Lock played with the guy in Mizzou. He kind of knew. Like yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not catching this dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's like nobody else. Everybody else is just like, ah, oh, he's gone. But man, it was amazing, and and they won us the game, and we slept walk all through that Denver game. Apparently, just to get ready for the the playoffs, and uh, yeah. Wow, we were yeah, in like uh, that game. I never thought we were gonna lose, but it it, it was bad. It was a lackadaisical game to say the least. It was definitely a week seventeen game. Yeah, yeah, week week eighteen. But yeah, like uh, and this was the game, and this was the game we was kind of starting to incorporate uh McCall Harvin into kind of a Debo Samuel role too. Cause we seen him uh, take some snaps out of the backfield, and he had a nice run in that game, as well. And um, speaking of guys that ran the ball well, uh, Derek Gore, he actually had a nice game as well, um, in his limited time. So um, you know, we saw Derek Gore had his moments whenever he got an opportunity. Uh, so there was that. <laughs> yeah. But at the end, though, like after that, um. After that fumble recovery for a touchdown, uh, you know Patrick Mahomes, he 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 converts key, a couple of key third downs in the very last play. Uh, Travis Kelsey got open on a third down and sealed the game. So, so yeah, so we end the year twelve and five in the regular season, heading to the playoffs, and we find out our first round opponent is the Steelers. But so, uh, we'll cover that on the next episode. Not not a bad season. Uh, where we came from, where we were nice. under 500 twice, three times maybe. So mm-hmm. uh, to end up 12 and five, which is pretty much where you probably want to be in a 17. Second. You know what I'm saying? Second, second seed. Yeah. Could have been in the first seed, but it's Cincinnati. But. Or Achilles Hill, apparently. Achilles Hill. <laughs> Joe Burrow, our. Oh, it's not Joe Burrow. Let's not put it all on him. Give Joe Burrow wasn't the reason they won. But, uh, yeah, so uh, all in all, a good season. Um, we'll get to the playoff issue part of it. But all in all, a regular season was a, a success, depending on where it came from, because it looked dark for multiple weeks. And then it was a nice, bright, shining rainbow in the middle for about eight, nine games, and then, you know, we walked off to the playoffs. So we didn't limp into the playoffs, but we weren't completely confident. We didn't have all of our swagger, but we had enough swagger to get to where we got, and we should have done better, but who knows. Yeah, I give this season like a B-plus, man, just because of the early struggles, like – we were struggling to find our identity for whatever reason at the beginning. Uh, defense was just misaligned. Uh, 
you know, guys playing out of position, uh, Patrick Mahomes going through his struggles, um, you know, as far as uh, throwing from the pocket and everything. I feel like he still needs to work on that a little more. Um, but other than that, man, a 12 and five season, I mean, despite all of that, that's a, that's a great year, but I give it a, I give it a B plus. That's fair. Yeah. Fair. I'll give it a B just because I think it was lower. I think we came out with our expect, expectations were at least mine were <laughs> pounced on real, real quick. But if you had told me in October that we'd end up with the second seed or the two seed, and 12 and 5, I would have said, you're shitting me. <laughs> but we did it. They came back, which just shows you don't lose faith in your team. And uh, don't lose faith in Pat Mahomes or Andy Reid or any of them. Because they can turn it around. And they did. And then we went to the playoffs. And the rest is history. And that's all we're going to review. So thanks. <laughs> just kidding. And that's when the season ended, and we did great. <laughs> yeah, we covered we covered the playoffs in depth. We do not have to go over the playoffs. <laughs> going over the season, we we dedicated whole episodes to the playoffs. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So we're not doing that. You no. forget it, huh? Forget it, huh? <laughs> well, we don't have to do the Bengals game because we just did that. <laughs> remember, so we just really need to go back through. Um, and we don't really need to do the Steelers game because that was pretty similar as well. Yeah, no, like, I'm kidding. Yeah, I mean, it still is. I mean, it's pretty much the same stuff, right? You know, I mean, after that shaky first quarter, we just uh, we just did what we used, we just did what we did last time to them in the season. So, but yeah, like Paul said, I don't mind going through the Bills game. Yeah, that was a no. classic. So. <laughs> We can okay. go through the playoffs. Okay. I'm just kidding. We will cover the playoffs on the next show. We'll do it. We'll 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 put a couple minutes on it. We're not gonna go with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Other Chuck. That, so, special announcement about tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, special announcement about tomorrow. Uh, we're gonna do an NFL scouting combine episode since since uh that's going to conclude officially on monday um i know today is the last day as far as like positional drills and stuff but you know according to the combine schedule it officially concludes on monday so uh we're going to do an nfl scout combine review episode we're going to have um alec elijah Um, he's the nfl He's our NFL writer. He covers the draft and combine and everything for Sports Talk 2319. So he's like a young and up-and-coming analyst, and he knows his stuff. I've seen his work. So you guys going to enjoy having him on. Uh, we're going to talk about um, you know top prospects, um, what guys that probably fit best for the Chiefs in this upcoming draft, you know, things like that. We've got plenty of topics. So uh, tune into that tomorrow at uh, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Yeah, should be fun. Don't miss it. So, um, season in review, we're done. We made it through. Uh, got through it, y'all. Got through it. <laughs> we got through it. <laughs> that that hard, that one stretch was very difficult, but we made it through. Um, so now we are on to the draft. 
we will start our scout. We're gonna cover our combine tomorrow with the with the Monday show. We're gonna get some uh, uh, some guys in to talk about uh, prospects we should be looking at in this upcoming draft. We're gonna do our off season checklist, which is gonna be fun. Uh, and free agency, you know, we're gonna be on top of that. And uh, just stay tuned, like, subscribe, and uh, keep supporting us. We love their support. And y'all, y'all, we love our fans. Y'all doing great for us. And uh, we're going to keep riding for y'all, giving y'all more content. So, Chuck, take us out. So, with that being said, that's going to include another episode of Kingdom Cast. We out of here, people. See you tomorrow. Peace. Bye. Peace. Bye. <laughs>